and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And we've just been doing our pre-show, chatting about breweries, great wrestling venues, plans coming up, bit of Brit Res, names we don't recognize. What was the name, JP, I didn't recognise at the start? What were you talking about? Keith the Duck. Don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> the other one. Uh, uh, TBL, well, it isn't. It's about an alpaca. There's a whole story about an alpaca, which then the story mutated from, it was just somebody wrote down, I think it might have been James Lynn, wrote down a TB alpaca, um, which we've now decided that TB alpaca is facing Odyssey Jones in a two-minute squash on NXT, which you'll hear on the uh, morning update. That name is, is in there as well. I think we've hit that point. Those of you who listened to the Grappy Hour, we we had a did, did have a really fun game of... NXT wrestling is it is it an NXT name mm. is it an Enfield Town name or is it a name from Toast of London and that's uh it's a very it's a very fun game <laughs> it was I honestly couldn't like Carl's TB Alpaca sorry oh, some some of the names were just like not like I, I wasn't getting them at all like I like how those people work for NXT like it shows you there's still depth there they got rid of a lot of people and there's a lot of uh that are n- nobody's still there they, they hired six people. I said their names this morning on the morning update. I immediately forgot them, apart from that one bloke who's Gable Steve, Steveson's brother. But I've been calling him Stevenson because that seems more normal. I've to been me. doing that Maybe. too. I tweeted that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Steveson. Yeah, Steveson. Oh, there Just, you go. News to me. It's not a deal breaker. You know, it's not the, the end of the world. But that's the only reason I remember his name. But other than that, they, you know, it just looked like it looked like a photo from say by the bell. The new class. But hey, Bull Buchanan's mm. son was in there, wasn't he? Uh, that was the other thing I, re- I read about. Yeah, Bull, Bull Buchanan. He yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> Would you be shocked to know that? Yeah, he's a big lad, like the old fella. <laughs> the next generation wrestler we were waiting for, Bull Buchanan's son. <laughs> you know, that's what they're going for. I love that in um, Tony Khan's. Did you did you listen to his Observer interview? But he literally oh, said yeah. that, and he was like, "Well." They've been talking to Gabe Stevenson. I've been talking to CM Punk. I'm not Alexander Mitrovich. So, you know, <laughs> swings and roundabouts. Not for wrestling, for Fulham, let's just be clear. Oh. Um, although, you know, we could. Football's Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Isn't he? <laughs> oh, Mitrovich. Did he score at the weekend as well? They won through. No, somebody scored a hat trick possibly for them. I don't know. Mm. Right, I know Fulham won 3 0. Did they? Because I remember yeah. watching it while we were recording about CM Punk and those mm. goals were going in. There was a point in me thought, Christ, he's having an absolutely belting couple of weeks, this bloke, isn't he? He's just going to go, mm. is it going to get any better than this? CM Punk debuts. <laughs> Fulham start off the season looking good. <laughs> he's talking about running Craven Cottage. There you go. It, it can happen. I mean, I, I was going to say, speaking, speaking of footballers that could be wrestlers, we were all um, following the fancy football on Saturday afternoon. I was just watching Triore thinking like, he could, he, I could see him in a little like, fucking unit. I could see him in a match running, running, running through Ishii. You know that that kind of a uh, never title <laughs> mid card match. Like he's got the he's got the luck. I told it told you, Benno, we'd never hit a finisher. <laughs> no end. Yeah. <laughs> no, no end product that last. That is an issue. <laughs> that is an issue. But in wrestling, that could work. An issue. <laughs> you know, lots of near falls. You know, ne- never quite gets it. <laughs> kind of like Ishii, really, isn't it? Yeah. She never, you know, he's always going for the brain buster. Never quite hits it. Usually the the unlucky loser. Yeah, I can see the comparison. He's more muscle than man, isn't mm-hmm. he? Like he's like CGI as a Dharma Triori mm-hmm. when you're looking at him. It's just kind of, is he real? Mm-hmm. Like 
there's a touch of like some like you know some anime cartoonist has got in on the deal and sort of bulked up the muscles. Yeah, an absolute unit. Unfortunately, and I remember this from picking him in my fantasy league team last year. Bugger all end product. Mm. I don't remember anything in there. Mm. Um, oh yeah, Harland. Back up work. Back up work. Back up team. Imagine if he hit the whites. <laughs> Norwegian Lesnar then, innit? <laughs> he's got a ponytail. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't look like like an onion like uh, Brock does currently. <laughs> I'm a perceived like the comparison again, it all falls into the Matt LeBlanc type thing that from there there was a lot of people going, Yeah, he looks like he's off to a Garth Brooks concert at Croke Park mm. or something like that. The kind of thing that like, my, my my cousins would do. Mm. I've like cowboy boots and love country and western music. Okay. <laughs> Just throw that in there. You don't to know any more about that. There we go. JP taking a They're not listening. <laughs> I'd be shocked if they were. Hey, look, you never know. You might be into the podcast, JP. They might be into uh, just listening to your soothing tones, talking wrestling every week for three hours. Send them, send them asleep, mate. This, this ASMR deal that I'm trying to fucking do. I'm hoping, <laughs> if nothing else, that that's what, what I succeeded. Are you really tried? ASMR? Mm. I... There's, it's. I don't get it. All right, <laughs> oh, I'll be honest you, with you. Like, like many, it's it's like cryptocurrency. Mm. I just don't think I. I just don't get it. Like mm. I really don't. Um, like there's loads of kind of soothing what? tone stuff for free, but I don't think anyone wants to hear this. Mm. Go on, Gareth. <laughs> I was gonna like just you saying cryptocurrency there, and like what are they, what, what's them fucking things where people like buy shit. For NFTs, like, oh NFTs, can either of you explain those to me? Nope. I've, I've I've tried on multiple occasions to try and read what they are and try and like understand why people pay a ridiculous amount of money for them, but like I just don't get it. I, got, like, I think you're buying a GIF or like an equivalent of one. I think you're buying like like one of say twenty five of like an image kind of thing. Sometimes it'll be a video. Sometimes it'll be like a moving 3d thing i've seen some of them be and like you get access to it through the internet and it only exists for you for your access and you can't share it and show anybody i think that's it but like that's the best i can do jericho did the whole podcast on it last week if anyone wants to learn apparently so you know he's covering the important stuff on there uh, does he on top of jericho but i still don't really understand myself like that feels no. like there's probably people listening going well that's wrong too I get that there's like you can make a load of money in this stuff. I, mm. I do. I don't understand how, mm. and I think that's probably the thing that, that's my barrier to entry for ever making money on it. But I'm sure we spoke about NFTs on a weekend show, did we? And I think of that I, I, possibly when WWE were launching them, mm. and we spoke about, like an Undertaker oh, one or yeah, something like yeah, that. I remember now. Yeah. Mm. And, Is it a money laundering? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. The answer. Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. Assume, assume that it is. Assume all of it is a money laundering thing. Mm. We speak about money laundering as well. The grappy hour we went into detail <laughs> about that as well, which will again leave, leave behind. But yeah, um, yeah, this NFT business. We've spoken about this before, and I don't get it. Mm. Please explain. But I am old school in the sense that I expect money to be exchanged for goods and services. And a lot for this, I don't see what the good is, and I don't see what the service is. So, like, I'm completely lost in this. It's and like, the money doesn't seem to be real in the first place. So, like, I, I, I'm like, what, what are we doing here then? Yeah, it's a VR game. 
it's like i follow a lot of like i don't know what it is about rap music but i follow a lot of rappers on instagram and a lot of them are starting like you know like side hustles and stuff and it'll be like you know all of my followers can get in first on this great new scheme and it'll be stuff like that it'll be like i saw jim jones of a dip set the other day doing it uh selling um bitcoin cash machines and i was kind of like <laughs> i think that does, does that not defeat the purpose of bitcoin that there's a cash machine also you can print your own money now like i don't really understand it just assume it's all a scam yeah well, that Re- X- X- Rexham player mickey thomas he'll be all over that mm. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah not obviously he managed to do that after he knocked us out of the fa cup mm. after we won the t- like in 92 which the piss that oh, was yeah. taken out of me at school oh, that week was Sorry, I forgot horrendous. about that. That wasn't a covert dig, JP. I forgot. It would have been a, a really like... Uh, fuck off. Um, <laughs> I heard the daily update. What a week. <laughs> it was like oh. a therapy session on Monday. <laughs> JP just... It's very sad of the uh, the Arsenal. Yeah, game. and yeah. they offered you um, a season ticket oh. or something today, didn't they? <laughs> the, the, the fucking cheek! I was disgusted by it. I, I genuinely was. I got got a yeah, got an email from. By the way, I've been on that waiting list for like I, it's only a good ten years, mm. right? This year, and I can't think why. As if uh, maybe there's a reason that interest has gone massively down in that time. Yeah, they've offered me a like I'm. It, I can st- I can buy a gold membership for the 21-22 season. Price range from £876 to £1,488. But kindly for them, the price of the Chelsea fix will be deducted from the price of the season ticket. Well, thanks for that, for a 2-0 <laughs> loss at home that I never want to even think of ever again. Um, however, I don't get tickets to the Carabao Cup. So, um, balls to you, Arsenal. You had your chance. The Carabao Cup might have been the... <laughs> Thing that it's like the deal breaker. The edge. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> JP big Carabao Cup fan. Who knew? <laughs> well, I suppose oh, they win in the Carabao Cup. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. oh, we probably play the kids as well. It's right up JP. Yeah, we won. We won. Well, we didn't. We we played a decent strength side against West Brom's kids and beat them six 0 and that created a very false sense of uh, security out of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, players players did a lot of big celebrating together as well, didn't they? As they were rattling in the goals against the. Uh, oh, they loved that. The championship kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, straight up on Instagram as well, going, it's all over, we're sorted out. And it's like, yeah, have you learned to head or defend or anything like that? No. But I mean, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll say that there is one kind of unique selling point again for Arsenal, which is that the the level of cowardice that's present in our players is something truly joyful to behold for everyone else bar Arsenal fans at the moment. And um, my brother was like completely distraught last night. My sister who's a Spurs fan is just trying to like hide the fact that Spurs won three games, one nil solid start to the season, top of the league. We're bottom nine, nine goals conceded. And I don't fancy us against Norwich. And we're the only side that seems to get COVID outbreaks. Well, I, <laughs> everyone else is fine. They drop like flies. I'm not even convinced they've got them now. Like if I'm going to call bullshit on a group of people, pretend they've got COVID, Arsenal. <laughs> Pricks. They made me angry tonight. Sorry. Oh, could be, well, I was going to say, Carl said, you can get a West Ham season ticket for £400, mate, if you want to uh, flip over. Go watch some Davy Moyes football. I mean, they're looking fucking great right now. Get to see some uh, Mikel Antonio look like yeah. the best player in the world for five yes. seconds at a time until you think he pulls, he's going to pull something and get injured for like six months. But, you know, great little it, team. In fairness, they were given the stadium 
they gave the stadium to the Dildo Brothers and that was it. Then they were like kind of all right with it. They went away with the fairies at that stage. But yeah, 400 quid in London for mm. anything that involves like going 20 times is like quite inexplicable for it. Yeah, I think Dylan took the nail on the head there. Caro Cup with some good Irish youngsters from the big team and a few championship teams. That's pretty much where I am at the moment, and as, as you can see on the shirt. And, uh, and this week, I've got um, Ireland away at Portugal to look forward to tomorrow night, which I'm sure will go brilliantly, and they can cause a shock result there as Ronaldo goes for his world record uh, goal as, as top international goal scorer. And I'm sure he won't score against Ireland many, many times tomorrow. So, yeah, we're going to come up against a motivated Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, great. You never know. He might, he, he might do his cruise shit or something. Fingers crossed, cunt. Can you imagine that? How much you? How much do you be laughing about that? I'd be laughing <laughs> oh. as well. Uh, he's got him in the draft league. He's came in the proper uh, fancy Premier League. You see, it is twelve point five million. Like that's. A, I feel like that's a lot of like. That feels like I don't know. Living in the past a little bit of how good the fancy Premier League player he was once before. Like I saw some stats about like he took like nineteen free kicks last year and didn't score one. Like uh, I don't know. Don't know if you can guarantee. Yeah, he's one of those, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, ain't touching him for twelve and a half. No chance. No. Mm. Might have been worth a punt if he was in a ten or something like that. But twelve mm. and a half. Mm. We should give everyone an up. Oh Sorry. yeah, is your fancy league team doing any better than your real life teams, JP? That's what we want to know. Um. Oh, just got notes from the Athletic. Uh, if you want some transfer deadline news, uh, news even Hector Bellerin has joined Real Betis on loan. Um, really. He, he gave up the ghost a couple of years ago. Fuck. My brother blames the fact he's into fashion uh, and he just went, he's into fashion now. And I was like, I don't know if the two things are linked. <laughs> he likes wearing nice clothes. Doesn't mean he suddenly thought, oh, giving this football stuff a miss. Not going to bother me arse at that. So was, so was Charlie Nicholas, but it didn't stop him bagging two goals in that hey. Little Woods Cup final of 87, did it? For, ruined Ian Rush's record. So did the Spice Boys, know. mate, you know, and they did well. White Six, yeah. you know? Well, well, well. <laughs> looking at looking at the grand, Grapple <laughs> League at the same. moment, we've got actually uh, Neil Flanagan um, on two hundred sixty six. Craig Orman is in the chat. Who get, I was giving grief to on the pre-show. Um, <laughs> he has um, yeah in second place two hundred sixty two. Then Benno in eighth gone down. Yeah, only um, only twenty points behind early doors as well. Reigning champion Jordan in tenth. Then if we go down, yeah, Jamesy in 20th. There's the usual suspects around there. Um, just trying to find, where are you? Like, you're 43rd, Gareth. You had a good week this week, didn't you? Last two weeks I've done well. Just that first week cost me where I didn't have Bruno and every fucker else did. But um, Alex, has, uh, Alex has just come with a um, just late bit of news for you here, JP. Oh, come um, on, Alex. Is, uh, Let us know, mate. He's got, he's got something to share here. Um, Thames Valley, Thames Valley Police. I don't know if you've seen this today, JP. It says, uh, keeping it with deadline day on your phone. Please don't check your phone updates while you're driving or you'll end up with more points than Arsenal. Piss off, Alex. JP says, piss off. Yeah, and can you also tell him as well, that Saar bloke was no, didn't get a sniff of a game at Chelsea for those two weeks out of my draft team as well. He did, he did a good job of... Going, he's good in FIFA, basically. And then just like, oh. so yeah, apologies for swearing. <laughs> <you're 11 year laughs> I'm sure he's Sounds bad. Like he, That's he, it. Has he heard worse? He crashed. He thought he'd enjoy that. Has he heard worse? He sits on the Gladys Street. <laughs> 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 he's just, uh, 
<laughs> like considering what that Kevin Kevin Campbell chant was a few years ago, like I, I don't think they've moved on necessarily. They, they've moved on a bit. I hope it's not a nice place to be. Is it bad? Uh, no, it's a, it's a fun time, but yes, it can be a problematic time also. Uh, <laughs> but no, I was going to say the in the draft league as well. It's getting big next week. It's the uh, mm. it's derby season. It's uh, we got Andy. Uh, we got the Graps and Claps derby with Andy versus Chris and I. Me and, going, me and Gareth are going head to head as well. Obviously, after the internationals, which is as uh, as James has said in the chat, the uh, the worst thing uh, <laughs> in football slash fantasy football. But week after Gareth, we're going head to head, mate. Super Sunday. Shall we live stream it? And <laughs> it is. And it's live. It's Should Super go live. Sunday. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Broadcast. JP's always wanted to do Soccer Saturday, so we could do the real thing, mate. None of this deathmatch stuff. Maybe maybe we do your match of the day thing that you were on about the other day, where you just avoid, the, avoid all fantasy league oh, anything, let's do it. and then just do a match of the day. Let's do the match of the maybe day challenge. Just do a match of the day watch along. <laughs> Completely steal um, FPL Black Boxes idea from this past weekend. Follow that. Great podcast. I, but we not? could do it too. I mean, like we were talking about in the pre-show, but have you watched any of it, Benno, that, that Spanish show? The El... Is it El Chigarito? I'm going to say. I'm butchering the name. Um... It's basically like like Sky Sports News, mm. entirely Madrid based, and it's a bloke in English, mm. and like how angry they get. Like there's one guy when he's he just absolutely losing his shit when Barcelona's four 0 to Liverpool, mm. and he's just screaming like out, "Where are the men?" Just like in this studio, <laughs> <laughs> they've lost. Well, that'll be me if you're wanting to see this every week. Like just cut, like watching Norwich come up and wondering. And like, you know, immediately if we put on match of the day and it's like, and we start off this week at the Emirates where Arsenal, bottom of the league, took on second bottom Norwich. Surely they could win this week, couldn't they? Your commentator's a guy, Mobra, and I'm there going, it's 3-0 Norwich. <laughs> immediately, it's 3-0 Norwich. I know how this ends, just from the setup of it. So like, that's the problem. If we, if they put us middle of it, it'll be like, well, yeah, we'll get back on form. But if we're up there first, it's going to be like lobbing stuff at the telly time. I want this to happen now, mate. It has to happen. Mm. We should do it. Definitely do it. You're loving the idea of this, aren't you, you pair of malevolent hey, bastards? Carl's offered to ring in and be Chris Kamara, you know. I, I was thinking Will, but, you know, we can get a different role for different people. We could do it. I'm liking we'll the idea messing. of this. This, this... This live, this this live watch along thing, and working on faith that nobody knows the results, unless we do what they did at a Victory Road 2004, Benno, with uh, Monty Brown, Abyss, and Raven, where they locked them up for 24 hours uh, with no food or water, Gareth, before competing in a monsters ball match, and they came out surprisingly energetic, covered in water. Terry, Terry Waite didn't make it to the ring. It's <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be a four-way. <laughs> oh, why has nobody got Terry Waite in at any point for a wrestling show? For those of you younger people who don't know who he is, look it up. And you possibly want to Google Radiator as well in that search. He didn't have to bang it. on about it, didn't he? I could see him against Nick Gage bringing a radiator to the ring or something like that. Radiators <laughs> versus light tubes. <laughs> there is a clip that went around ages ago of through the keyhole, but like the later years with not with Keith Lemon, but with um, <laughs> but with uh, Lloyd Grossman, 
And it goes through this person's house and it's like, can you get like, and it shows that everyone who they are. And it was two people who'd been held hostage by the Iranians. To which you're going, how am I supposed to recognise it's them from their house? Like, there's not a bit where you go into the room and there's someone cowering in fear, handcuffed to a radiator, are they, with a fucking balaclava over their head? <laughs> Which I'd laugh at. But how's anyone going to be able to get that? No, it's ridiculous. I'll have to send you the clip. It's it's absolutely glorious. <laughs> Little pictures on the sideboard and stuff of, like, you know, yeah. fa- favourite blindfold hung up on the back of the door and things like that. A bit where they scratched into the back of the door just the days. So they're just going along like four with a line through it going into five. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) Shocking behaviour. Well, back to the FPL quickly, uh, just to say. Draft League, James is winning right now. Will second. Uh, I'll make Chris Elliott his bottom. I still feel like he threw his match against me this week to uh, to get himself Ronaldo uh, by one point as well. He's he's, uh, He's lower than Carl Gak, but that's how that rolls. But yeah. Big big matches are coming next week. They are. I had a good third, fourth place draw. Mm. We might have been the first draw between anyone this year, between me and Joe Edwards, which, by the way, that was completely fluked, particularly because Nicola Pepe didn't play and Andre Ayew got two points. Mm. Go on. I'm, everything hinges on Callum Wilson and Trent Alexander-Arnold. But that, yeah, that draft league, yeah. Well, the joys of the head-to-head. I got my lowest points, weekly points so far in that one, but managed to pick up the win over Andy Ogden there. It's like, that's the annoyance of it. I've got like 20 points less than week one. Mm. Lose week one because of fucking Mendy, the bleep, bleep, and bleep, bleep, <laughs> sex offending bleep. There we go. <laughs> yeah, why was he even? That, 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 I think that point should be rescinded and I should have oh. to win over Chris Lane there, or at least the draw, anyway. Back definitely. and he played for two years, like, or however long it was, with mm. them knowing all that stuff. Fucking hell. What was that thing you sent, Benno? Was it someone stag do? I didn't send it. <laughs> Don't blame me. <laughs> Who sent that? Was it Sarah you, Gareth? Yeah, yeah. Sarah did. Sarah sent it to me. Don't blame to Sarah. <laughs> That's good. That's fine. It, so if I'm right in thinking, it was a guy who was on his stag do who was forced to wear a Sigurdsson shirt. Full kit. Or, full, full Sigurdsson kit. <laughs> full Sigurdsson kit. Or handcuffed to a dwarf dressed up as a schoolgirl. Is that possibly an accurate way of saying it? Yes. That sounds perfectly accurate to me. <laughs> it's fucking hell. <laughs> Mate, Liverpool. Because again, the last stag do is from that like that out of context scouse with that guy in a, dressed as a baby has a go with that American woman. She didn't know whose steps were. <laughs> Something like that. And they, they said on TripAdvisor they ruined the holiday. I love bringing that up. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I have no idea where I'll move on from. No, there's there's no natural link to that, mate. We'll just move on. I mean, you know, there is, but let's not touch it. Um <laughs> any other any other non wrestling st- I mean to be fair, there's, there's actually not much wrestling stuff to talk about this week. Uh, obviously it's all out week. Yeah. We're gonna have a bit of an AW chat in a bit, but like there isn't much on the wrestling side. Watch anything else, lads, watch any good TV movies? I watched some good movies at the weekend. You uh you recommended nobody to me, JP, a while ago. Um Yeah. I finally watched it with uh with um, Bob Odenkirk. Enjoyed that. Watched another round as well. Enjoyed that too. I've heard good things about another round. That's those lads who 
he sounds like the Mitchell and Webb sketch where you drink like about a pint and a half and everything's perfect. But if you finish that second pint, it all goes badly wrong. And it's, is it about them trying to regulate their alcohol? Yeah. Sessions? So the idea is if you're just a little bit drunk every day, you might be better in life. So like they just try and battle through it. It's not really a comedy. It's quite dark and it's got Mad Mickelson in it and he's fucking brilliant and everything he does. Um, the other film. Well, so it's the Will, the, Will, the Will Cool in biopic. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow it works for him. <laughs> I've seen Will at three in the morning at WXW shows writing up fucking reports and they come out the next morning absolutely fucking perfect. Curled, curled up on the bus writing absolute like... Lester Bangs, mate. Epic, <laughs> awesome stuff. You're just like, yeah. how does the man do it? <laughs> oh, mate. He's, uh, yeah. He's one of a kind as our Will. No, that was good though. I enjoyed that. Uh, I watched that. Oh, and nobody too was great. Like Bob Odenkirk is an everyman fighting the... Uh, Turning into like this, uh, this killer type was brilliant. It, it's very, very. It, it was just sort of like just good fun John Wick style violence. Really, yeah, it was John Wick for dads. That's basically like yeah. how you describe it. And by all accounts, that character is going to appear like in John Wick Four. <laughs> they're doing a they're doing a crossover. That character is going to appear in John Wick Four. Oh, I didn't know well. that. That's, That's brilliant. A, yeah. By all accounts, they're going to do that, which kind of makes sense for mm. one for. for Oh, that's good. I was saying in the pre-show, I think before you arrived, it was, it's my son's 15th birthday mm. and he wanted to watch Pulp Fiction again. So I legged it back from an all-day training session to go and watch that with him mm. again. And it's, it, again, I saw this film about three weeks ago. I think we were talking about it. Mm. Completely holds up. Mm. Completely holds up. All right. Some of the language doesn't hold up, particularly when Quentin Tarantino is delivering it at the end and he's an awful actor. I can't stress that enough about how bad an actor he is when he's playing Jimmy, mm. who's meant to be Samuel L. Jackson's mate. And you're just thinking, like, Jules would never hang around with this dickhead. Like, he just wouldn't be tolerating it at all. Um, but yeah, it's it's still brilliant. Like, and you forget when you watch it the first time, like, with uh, um, one of my, like, one of my sons hadn't, uh, hadn't seen it for a little while. Uh, sorry, hadn't seen um, the middle section. So he was really shocked with the turn that the boxing story with Bruce Willis and Ving Rhames te- uh, mm. took. It just like, that completely took him by surprise. And when you watch it, like, even you two thinking, yeah, what happens there? It's like, when you go back and think of all the stuff that happens in it, it's just crazy. Mm. But um, yeah, hell of a lot of fun. Did you hear him on Marin at all the other week? He was like the guest on that. Like that no. was that was that was a good listen. That's worth. I haven't a, listened uh, to Marin in uh, ages. Uh, I'm way behind on all podcasts. To be honest, it's fucking lockdown. But yeah, that was the, it, it's worth, worth a listen. Like definitely because like I normally think Tarantino comes across as a bit of a band, but he didn't come across much as mm. of one in that. He was like talking a lot about like his youth and his influences and all that. Like it was it was good, good, good shit. Mm. Worth a listen. There you go. Another podcast to recommend. There you go. Good plug. <laughs> Can't go wrong with WTF and Mark Maron. Like, mm. he is, he's class. Doing all in his garage. Very true. Well, speaking of podcasts to recommend, um, we had a hell of a podcast this uh, last weekend. Uh, Carl said there in the chat, definitely not going to be two hours. It's not, is it? Nope. <laughs> Sorry, moving on to the Patreon quickly. Oh, actually, before I do, did you go to that gig on Monday, Gareth? Oh, no, I fucking didn't. Like, I was um, let, we were let down on babysitters. Mm. So, um, so yeah, just fucking, I'd just give it a miss. So two tickets just uh, went to waste there. Maximo Park at Liverpool Art Club. That would have been fucking Aww, boss in like small little venue like that. So that was fucked. And then also I was I was going to go to that TNT show on Saturday just to see the third 
um, Lizzie Evo, Alexis Falcon match and couldn't couldn't get to that either. So my oh. my weekend was just a weekend of like stuff that I wanted to do that I never actually got around to fucking doing. Hence putting things like progress on the app. Oh man! <laughs> and instead, we just made you do like seven hours of podcasts instead. So <laughs> at least you got that. <laughs> nah, I was going to say to be fair, like the. Uh, Saturday afternoon was the highlight for me. I know you're just going to like touch on it there, but just recording that um, summer punk podcast, it was like yeah. it was one of those where it was just, you know, do it, you know, doing this, doing the podcast that we do. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you just have those ones that you just finish, and you just like an hour later, you're just still thinking about it. And obviously, it was yeah. great just catching up and just watching all the matches and things like that. But afterwards, I was just still buzzing off that, just like oh fucking hell, I really, really enjoyed recording that, and it just felt like that chat that we had about it and like the detail we got into certain bits and like you putting the meat on the bones on stuff yeah. Benno would like the you know the questions that me and JP had for you about things around that time and things it was it was one of those where it's like blow your own uh, trumpet but I just thought from that I just thought what a great fucking podcast that was so yeah. if you haven't listened to that go and listen to it because uh, it's great even if I do oh. say so myself no we got loads of great feedback <laughs> so hopefully hopefully that means that we, we people have enjoyed it, it has been overwhelming yeah. to be honest I think I thought it was just me that was looking forward to doing that one but it sounds like people were uh, looking forward to hearing us talk about uh, the summer of punk 2005 but yeah it was a, a great tip trip down memory lane it was funny like, we got a bit good bit of feedback from the patrons as well like joe mills was uh he was in the trenches uh with me back in those days i've known joe since pretty much uh around those times and he was uh saying the same thing that like he was like me you know spending uh spending money on those dvds but he was kind of saying you know they do like you know it wasn't the, the fit turnaround wasn't too bad they get them relatively like put together quite quick the dvds and then they send them quite mm. quick and you know a couple of other people were saying as well you know they do the you know do three for four like uh sales and stuff although i did um i forgot to mention it on the podcast but i do remember like that 2005 year that we were talking about well, like, yeah yeah well, well yeah <laughs> but but with a uh with a with a dodgy uh postage thing that's a gift on it so that uh the uh the postman wouldn't uh, wouldn't charge your tax um but yeah i do remember once like that 2005 ring of honor period is my favorite period but it is the period where I totally went off the rails as an ROH fan. Like, not even counting flights, I worked out once I spent an entire month's wages that year on just on Ring of Honor stuff, <laughs> like DVDs, jackets, t-shirts, merch. That's how much I was into Ring of Honor that year. It's scary. But the memories, Benno. But the great memories, the memories. yes, great time, yeah. great time, great memories. You know, exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, it was. I, I completely concur with like kind of like what, what Gareth said. It, mm. it, it was it was really good fun. Uh, it, really good fun to record and then, like i say it's really just good fun to ask you about it as well just because there's so much of it where you've got this kind of lived experience and me and gareth coming from it from like knowing what happens but never having kind of sat down and kind of watched it as well and i won't lie benno like as i said to you this to channel super hands um this ring of honor this mid-2000s ring of honor is a bit more ish isn't it <laughs> <laughs> See, you know, I got you thinking. I see I, what I was mostly proud of was like I knew, I knew, I knew you guys would love it, and I knew like Gareth being a big punk fan and having the DVD already. Like you know, it was tailor made, wasn't it? For like our our yeah. first one, and the content's so good. You know, it was great matches, great promos. Like, and I'll tease you. You know, the punk matches of that period probably weren't even considered like. Maybe the Aries match, but other than that, we weren't really considered in like the, the top matches of ROH that year. There's so much other stuff. But it's the ancillary players I want to get into. Like we talked on the um 
on the grappy hour about Austin Aries and kind of me and Carl went back and forth because you know he's a big he's a big Aries fan. You know, talking about Jamie Jamie Noble, yeah, James Gibson, like how fucking good he was. Like I had a good chat on Twitter with a few people about him as well, like how unreal um a baby face that lad was like get, to get mm. you i have to get you guys to, i did a podcast with alan um alan farrell on the torch people should check out where we talked uh, all about james gibson as a, a baby face and ring of honor but like there's plenty more to uh to mine as well um with him that we should absolutely do at some point like it was just fun yeah hitting on those uh those little um little sidebars as well as um talking the greatness of punk it is, and then you look at the overall influence today in 2021, mm. 16 years later, and you look at the amount of people who've had, like, even if you look at Christopher Daniels, like, mm. and think of it as a, back, what he does backstage in AEW is, like, kind of re- really important. He's one of the original employees. Mm. So it feels like it is, it's so, his, it's a lot more historically important than we'll ever give it any credit for, because then this is the nucleus, obviously, of 2011 and and everything else then around that. So it's, mm. yeah, it's great. And we're going to end up diving into it more, but like, I'm... I think progress will have that, um, that staying power. Do you think in 15 years, people will be like, oh, that's where Pete Dunne and Trent Seven and, you know, Joe Coffey and Rampage Brown came from. <laughs> <laughs> that's, remember well, Karen Omar got started? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> It is weird though, because like you think about like ROH at that period, because it is, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an indie, but because of and it, this is similar today, like WWE's are going back to that old habit of you know we want bodybuilders, we want Olympians, you know we don't want when they say we don't want indie wrestlers, basically what they're saying is they don't want wrestlers because everyone to do WWE mm-hmm. is an indie wrestler. Even when TNA was at its height, they never considered them mainstream. They consider anyone from TNA indie wrestler. They'd send them to the performance center. They send fucking Kevin Owens to the performance center. You know what I mean? Like they, 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 you know. Even Japanese wrestlers, they probably see as you know indie wrestlers to them. Like basically, what yeah. WWE is saying is they don't want wrestlers, and that is kind of what the world was like in two thousand and five, where like it was it was possible for an independent group to be able to have like a, a you know a roster with Brian Danielson and Loki and CM Punk and Samoa Joe and you know Austin Aries and the list goes on yeah. of like these Nigel McGuinness, these like potential all timer you know, wrestlers who can have four to five star matches. And it was just like, yeah, WWE doesn't want them because they're a bit short or in Joe's case, they're a bit fat or the whatever. So they were just available to be working this fucking Northeast to Midwest indie circuit. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's just overall. um, I just, I find it incredible, but it's also at the same time, there's just this black spot for me, just this, this area that, that I kind of know I need to, to know more about and, and, really look into it on there as well um so i also got distracted by simon mulvaney's comment there in the chat of people looking back at jimmy havoc's run as well that's uh (laughs) don't do that perhaps perhaps not no Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but it is if we go through the six people they hired Mm. the other day Mm. like and I, i brought it up i mean if you look at them they're just like the most generic as much as anything else and you look at then you look see bull buchanan son it's like well he's there because there's that there's a is it joseph fatu who's mm-hmm. who's from there as well but you know that's the world they're trying to create again like that's it and yeah. i think that they are up to, to my point like that they're opening up 
like at the time, like it is balmy to me that AEW is going to be able to, they've signed CM Punk, they're going to be able to sign Daniel Bryan, the two greatest indie type wrestlers of all time for, for most people's money. And WWE are like, yeah, but we can get this Olympian. Oh yeah, but we can get Bull Buchanan's son. Like it does feel like history repeating itself in some ways. And also, like, obviously, that you talk about that time period with, like, ROH and having all those lads been able to work from them. Essentially, they're just creating that environment, aren't they, where, age, you know, the the top indie lad who emerges in the next year, two years, three years, they're just there sitting ducks for AW to mop up and just, you know, just, you know, work with them as, as they want to work with them because WWE aren't even going to be interested there. So, you know, they're just going to be able to put them into that system where actually it's not ROH, it's not TNA, it's, it's you know, a proper mm. business with a lot of fucking money behind it as well as a, you know, a credible alternative to WWE as well. So it's almost kind of like, it's almost like ROH on steroids, isn't it? <laughs> really, almost in a in a way that you, you're getting these lads with the fucking budget and production value behind them as well and the platform is, you know, to push themselves out there too. So, um, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's it. Well, we, here for two example, like, you know, right now it's happening with Daniel Garcia. Like, he's young yeah. and he's not ready yet, but who's going to get him? It's going to be AEW. Like, I, I mm. always like, you know, Food on table memes aside, I was so disappointed when Ben Carter got swept up by WWE to, yeah. to go to NXT UK. And James Lynn mentions that in the chat, you know, is NXT UK going to go that way too? You know, maybe they don't shut it down. Maybe they do the same thing there, get ex-football and ex-rugby guys. But, you know, he's so he's the type of wrestler if he came along now, I don't think WWE would sign him in a million years. It's almost, it's kind of sad he's wound up in that system. Like, they're the kind of wrestlers that, yeah, AEW are going to be ready to get. So, JP. And, and he could be, he could easily be someone as well. When you look at like missed opportunities as well, you, you, yeah. you know, if he's depending on how long he's signed up for their system, mm. you could look at him in you know three years, four years time, and just be like, yeah, mate, you missed the boat. Like, mm. you, know, yeah. you know, these other lads have come through and they've they've grabbed the opportunity and they've they've had that that, that chance to to come through and you know per you know person X, Y, or Z's like suddenly emerged on the Indies who's as good as Ben Carter or, you know, of a similar mm. ilk to him or something like that. And they're just going to grab that space and, you know, mm. you know, take, you know, you know, take it. So he's, he's, I think you, you will, you'll look back and think like, Oh yeah. Remember that guy? He had a, he had a great window of opportunity there and, you know, mm. talk about sliding doors moments. There you go. There's a, I'll put, we'll note that one in the, uh, Patreon shows for 2026 or something like that. <laughs> Forget that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, it, it's it's just that we've got this constant battle of professional wrestling versus sports entertainment. And the thing is, is that it feels much more like it, it, that WWE are, are like moving so far away from the wrestling. It's like there, there comes a point where it's like, you know, those big shows the people turning up are going to want to see some good matches. And so it's like, you're going to do it once a year or at most it's kind of two, three times a year on those big kind of super shows, because we spoke about SummerSlam. I don't think it delivered on any fucking level whatsoever, given what it is. And I think they're going to live to rue it. I mean, this system is based on, like I said, last, last week, recreating that, that class from OVW. Mm. And if they don't do that, and I don't think they're in a posi- in a position to do it in a way. Then I think like they're going to start. You're going to start to go right. Where do you go from here at this point? Mm. Because the one thing like it still feels like moving back to this thing. These are all still excuses 
that avoid the question of, well, why are we doing badly? And it's like, well, because the person who heads up creative is so far out of tune and out of sync that we need to get rid of that person. Mm. You need a new editor at the top of it. Mm. But we can't say the emperor has no clothes. So we have to change everything else. And we have to go back to this system, which for a lot of them, they probably go, this is ridiculous because it's not these characters who are selling TV. It's like trying to go back to 80s action movies mm. and realise, as you're talking about Bob Odenkirk in Nobody, mm. the action movie has kind of moved on. Mm. You like the idea of the ordinary person who's charismatic, but you can kind of get behind it as opposed to Dolph Lundgren. Mm. You know, it, it's like, it's it's a very different thing. And and they don't really like, the, the problem is, is you've got to tell you, somebody has to say at some point to McMahon, it's like, actually, you're the problem. But nobody will ever say that. So they'd sooner scrap NXT, like cause changes. They're going to cost them a lot of money as well. Release a load of people rather than develop the balls to tell him the truth. Do, do you think the remaining WWE fans care about match quality? Like... You know, just thinking about that they they just take on board this bullshit that they just get fed and just you know you, you get like a match that maybe like you know I don't know comes out on grapple at like three and a half or three point seven five on average or something like that and then you hear online you hear WWE the the existing fan base talk about it and they talk about it as if it was something great and clearly to us it's not great kind of thing but to mm. to that audience they perceive it to be to be better mm. than it is and then they just eat all this other you know shit up that gets fed their way that's just absolute bollocks and try and put a positive spin on it and say that it's good like we as wrestling fans look at it and go like you know this is you know this is yeah. shit but you know this i don't want to watch this guy i'm not interested in this guy but the remaining wwe fans just seem to fucking lap it up and i just mm. feel like almost like if they just get some big guy pushed their way and get presented as if he's someone who for for a six month period i almost feel like they don't care like what he can actually do in the ring if, if it's if it's force fed to them as this is a superstar and you know this is yeah. you know this is you know someone who we're putting in this position that they'll just they'll just eat it up and be like yes he's good because wwe yeah. tell me he's good kind of thing as opposed to actually having some i don't know critical <laughs> critical thought about what they are actually delivering I think there's a line. I think they've got a lower standard than us. I think, you know, mm. you throw Braun Strowman in there, launching some steps and doing that fucking spear through the guardrail spots, you know, for the million time and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. They're, they're into it and they can be almost worked into think they're watching, like, some great match. I think, it, I think it's still it's different than, like, you know, the 80s where, like, you know, you would say there are casual fans who just like the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, you know, and, and they like them and it's like match quality literally doesn't matter. I don't think it's that it literally doesn't matter anymore with it being such mm. a a TV product rather than a live product these days. But I do think it's a more manipulatable kind of group who expect like a lower, I mean, lower standards probably snobby of me to say, but a different standard of like what we'd like. The issue is, though, like, how many of the fuckers are left? I know there's still a lot of them, you know, bought tickets to SummerSlam, and there is that argument. But it's still diminishing returns, isn't it? These are the people left. It's kind of the argument I was making about Bray Wyatt. It's like, we hated him. He's not a, he's not bringing in new eyes, but the people who were, who were still there, who, who won't go away, are into him, like they're into Becky, mm. like they're into Sasha, like they're into Seth Rollins. Like, that hardcore WWE base are into this stuff, but I, even that base, I feel like, is dwindling. 
because like, you know, like one of the things I was thinking about the other day is like, if you think about the, I don't know, say something like the Brian, the Daniel Bryan, like the, you know, the whole yes thing and like going in the build up to WrestleMania 30 and the crowd, like almost like pushing for that to happen. Like, I almost think that just wouldn't happen anymore because I think the people who would push for that just don't even watch the product anymore. They just don't even care. Like I'm really intrigued to see, say, for example, the first, you know, they always talk about the first roar after WrestleMania and things or, you know, the and oh. like, I almost feel like, I almost feel like nobody's going to be going to WrestleMania who actually cares about wrestling and like, cause that, so many of the audience, so, so many of the people who care about wrestling and care about like proper wrestlers and things like that are just like lapsed from their audience. So you've just got this, you, you know, you've just got this brainwashed group left to the extent that the, they're almost not going to challenge them anymore. And you know, when they've had, you know, in the past they've had to come out and we'll listen to the audience and you know, they've had the little things where the, the crowd has been like, vociferous in trying to you know make them you know get certain wrestlers over and things i just think most people have just give up and they've just washed their hands of it and the people who who would have been making that noise when there was no alternative that's the million people who's watching AEW now and they've just you know transitioned that way so i, I almost feel like they're just not even mm. challenged on these these things anymore I hate to say it, but did you see the Reddit census? Did you see it, JP? <laughs> like the, the no. Reddit with a W, like, and it was Brandon Howard put it on his Twitter, and it was alarming, like the amount of people who it was like, you know, say last year, how much, or the last time they did this census, you know, how much WWE did you watch, and like the numbers, but crumbling, and it was like, do you watch AEW Weekly? And it was like 80, 90%, and it was like, you could feel the switch had happened, you know, all these people who'd watch every takeover, for example, because they were bigger into NXT, and they'd send fruit baskets to, to Triple H, and and they'd still, you know, watch the WWE pay-per-views, and they'd still watch the Odd Roar and SmackDown. There was a real swing, and that's, again, that's not hardcore wrestling the hardest of the hardcore wrestling fans like in our twitter bubble but that's you know maybe a, a step more into the middle and even they're feeling like that it, it, it yeah it, it's really difficult listening to you guys about this as well like it, it it feels like with this fan base i think there's about half of them that'll be there to the bitter end mm. but the whole analogy i've had going my around head around this time is it's just they're soap opera fans mm. and they've always watched this soap. So it might be what neighbours fans in the UK are. They're nowhere near what their peak was. It was absolutely massive. It mm. kind of dominated a lot of the discourse. If you're thinking Scott and Charlene, very much like the Rock Austin of our age, um, <laughs> like along those lines with some good solid main eventers then afterwards. But these days, who are the main eventers? Mm. It's Carl Kennedy. Mm. Now, with all the greatest <laughs> respect to Carl Kennedy, for me, he'll never be a main eventer, but he's very much like Edge, isn't he? And we're trying to treat him that way. But they're still trying to tell us that this soap opera is as brilliant as it's ever been. It's always been as good as it was. And I'm there going, yeah, but where's Scott and Charlie? Eh? What's happened when um, is it Dez's wife gets shot by the lad who's trying to shoot the geese or something along those lines? <laughs> she was an animal rights campaigner. Daphne. But it does. Daphne. Yeah. Dez and Daphne. There we go. You know, there's all that type of stuff. Like it, it still feels like yeah, and they and they hark back to that golden era of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and do you know what? This is entirely disrespectful to neighbours, which I don't think is terribly bad. <laughs> <laughs> neighbours is Shauna does who listens to the show. She watches neighbours, and she'll probably tell us it's, it's all right. And this is a shocking analogy, but like it's just it, it just feels like it's like as soap opera fans, they've just been conditioned to like this is what soap opera is. Therefore, anything that deviates away from it isn't that. And I don't, and the, I think at the same time, it's it's like where 
you kind of want to go, look, have a look at this stuff. It's brilliant. And the wrestling's better. And I know that's a dirty word to some of you lot, but like fundamentally is at the centerpiece of this whole thing is the actual wrestling bit. Do you reckon like uh, Neighbours has got like a, a crazy 70-year-old man or almost 80-year-old man rewriting the script five minutes before the show three times? Reg Grundy. Every show. <laughs> you can't That's Is he alive? That's the show done. Find out, JP. Um... <laughs> Reg Grundy. Is he alive still? Let's have a look. He must be dead. Must be dead. He's the, he's the Vince McMahon. Oh, I've just seen a picture of him. Yeah, he, he is surely dead. <laughs> Fucking hell, not that far dead. Only five years ago. Oh, nice still rewriting scripts. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, shit, we got another 30, died. 15 years of, uh, of Vince. Well, like Vince, well, it's very weird. He died in Bermuda, age 92. Um, <laughs> yeah, co-produced ABBA the movie. Yeah, it's um, he loved his Bermuda stuff. And he's also Funny. a slang for underwear in, in Australia, isn't he? Like, oh, uh, is he? Yeah, take it, take it, take it by, um, take your Grundies off. <laughs> he, do you know he produced Prisoner Cell Block H and the Young Doctors, not the Flying Doctors, Ben? I don't know if you've ever seen that. I feel like I'm talking about the Young Doctors. That's a step you won't, you don't know what the hell I'm on about at that point. But uh, I was going to say, yeah, I went well, to good, school good, with a lad good, good, good. called Barry Grundy, and he never lived it down for the same reason you just mentioned, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be talking about Uncle Reg, though, wouldn't you? And he'd be like, "Ah, oh, what happened in Neighbours? You'll f- you'll find out in two years' time, mate. Don't worry, I know what's happening." It's a good full circle, is so because if it wasn't for Prisoner Cell Block H being on board of TV late at night, I'd have never discovered that WCW was yeah. on um, board of TV late at night in like about 1989. So good old uh, good old Reg <laughs> <laughs> came up Trump solemn years ago. Great theme tunes as well. Neighbours is a good theme tune. Prisoner Cell Block H, that that song at the end. Is it oh. on the inside? No, I just, yeah. like, just lovely balance. to give me roses. Go well, this lad's got an intro, we've got an outro, and we've got a title. Amazing. Oh, yes. If we can use the prisoner theme, yes. <laughs> and if people say we're not delivering to Australian fans, well, bang, there you go. Reg, Reg Grundy, Neighbours, Scott and Charlene Talks. I know you're not as into it as us. Young Doctors, Flying Doctors, Prisoner Cell Block H theme. Jesus. EPW on the... Oh, no, maybe not. Um, but <laughs> to bring it back around. <laughs> Never stop believing, God. <laughs> um, I was going to, like... But I love that, like, AW is, is leading into it. Like, this this culture war right now that we've got in wrestling. Like, like say, crazy old man Vince fucking spent 20 years rewriting his scripts and not... Like you said earlier, JP, not accepting that, like, maybe he's the one at fault and changing everything else except for, you know, the bloke at the top. Uh, Sue Williams literally said to me on Twitter, he was like, Lich is going to take Vince going in the ground before anything changes. And I 100% believe that um, about WWE. And like we said, with the comparison to Ring of Honor, AEW, I think they know that. Like, I couldn't help but listen to that Observer interview with Tony Khan and be like, I know I shouldn't be, like, fucking doing rah-rah bits for, like, a, a billionaire's son who's been born with a silver spoon in his mouth. But, like, you can't help but listen yeah. to that stuff and be like, I'm so fucking glad Tony Khan turned up. Like, you couldn't have, like, computer-generated a better billionaire's son to want to piss a load of money up the wall and start a wrestling company because you listen to interviews like that and he gets it like and he's talking about the fact that yeah you know WWE would have turned down I think he mentioned Mick Foley you know you know 
struggle to get over in WWE or like it, like a Darby Allen would, you know, they would never have taken seriously in WWE and AEW turned him into like not only a star, but like somebody who does well in like the demos and stuff and appeals to a, a demo that I'm pretty sure Vince McMahon doesn't know exists. And in the meanwhile, WWE are trying to like, yeah, take things back to, to the, the bad old days and sign six foot five, you know, bodybuilder types and just leaning into all out their worst tropes. It just, yeah, mm. like the, it's the perfect time for someone like Tony Khan to step up. Oh God. And can you, can, can you imagine if he didn't exist? Mm. Like this is something that I was like thinking about the other day. Like if, you know, for WWE going down this route and mm. how in the, um, how shit New Japan's basically been and things. I was thinking, like, how many people's, like, wrestling fandom during the pandemic would have been, like, if it wasn't for AEW, been there. Oh. It was, it's, it's probably, you know, it's, it's probably held held a lot of people's interest still been in wrestling because, like, I know, mm. you know, you, you look at, you know, when there's a new a big New Japan show on, on your timeline and things currently, uh, you know, these days, no one's talking about it and Apparently things. Not as many people are watching it. it. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it's if 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 AW wasn't there, if AW wasn't there, like how many people would have been possibly just like lost to wrestling altogether on the on the back of everything that's gone on during you know the pandemic and just like how you know bad the you know some of the shows have been and everything everything like that. You you just think like God. Thank, thank God for Tony Khan. Like, is mm-hmm. is what a breath of fresh air is is been. And then you know that aside, like you say, there just just the the fact that you know you almost couldn't write it, could you? That you get this guy who's like, you know, <laughs> used to go to the ECW arena, observer reader, yeah. multi billionaire <laughs> kind of who comes along and has this promotion at the same time when you've got like you know CM Punk's prime for a return to wrestling and you know you know putting options out there that means that someone like you know brian danielson can actually you know look at a route of making money outside of the bubble that he was in and these other lads can now now actually there's a there's a reason for for them to to look elsewhere and they haven't just got one option to make money like god he's like again we talked about it um i think it was last week we were saying about you know, moments and looking at that punk moment has almost been a, you know, a in the, the either the death of w, death of WWE or as like some major like landmark you know transitional moment in 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 wrestling. Like God, just just Tony Khan just coming in coming in full stop. And as you maybe like look at the wrestling landscape in ten years time, and you just think if that man didn't exist, like <laughs> fucking hell, where would wrestling be in ten years time? It's it, it's wild. It's 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 wild to think about it. Maybe Billy Corgan yeah. would have stepped up, JP, or Toby Keith or something. Um, <laughs> remember we were wishing I, on that? That was a big story. Well, Toby Keith's going to put some money into wrestling? or like, I remember. Who were the other ones? That were, like, who's the one who was bankrolling Lucha Underground for a while? Like, oh, what was his name? Like, the NBA guy. Was, oh. um, no, well, it was, it was Robert Rodriguez. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who, I'm, like, I'm had the hell right. Yeah. yeah. You, guys, yeah. Um, you get these little... He likes wrestling, and he's a celebrity, and he's got money. You never know. He might, he might want to... Well, like, yeah. I distinctly remember us talking about this when it came out and I was like, bullshit, billionaire kid reads the fucking Wrestling Observer. Yeah, this sounds like bollocks to me. And I just thought I refused to believe it. Mm. And then it was like, no, this man seems to exist. He seems to own Fulham Football Club, which is fucking weird. And then all of a sudden, like, this is where we are, like, mm. for, for this. But it's it's like you say, it's the thing that he he gets wrestling. 
And trust me, he'll make loads of mistakes over the years, some of which will infuriate all of us in this time, like fully prepared for it. Mm. But at least he understands it. Like this isn't Ted Turner. This isn't someone who's looking at it as purely a money-based thing. I think the idea for him is, is he believes if I put on a really good product, then I'll make money. And you know what? He's been kind of proven right. It's fucking working. Like that's the thing. He's not yeah, just the money market. It's working. <laughs> Look at them ratings no, last week. He's a fucking Demos? businessman. Mm. Look where he's got him. Yeah. Like oh. if you're thinking about. Yeah. Say, say what you want about Fulham and like the Jaguars and whatever, but like that's the other part of it, isn't it, JP? He's not just an observer, subscriber, wrestling nerd. He's also got you know, whether, where, however much credit you want to give him for it, like pedigree as a sports person too. It's, mm-hmm. it's insane. And a data analytics person because he had like a data analytics agency, doesn't he? That, that's <laughs> yeah. his like his whole background is in that side of things, which in this day and age is probably like. You know, up there with top five skill sets that you'd want somebody in this yeah. in in this industry to to have, and he's coming at it with that expertise as well. It's you, you're like you literally couldn't create him like more money than the McMahons, like the family, isn't it? <laughs> you yeah. know, you think like you'd just be like, yeah, bollocks. There's no way. Mate, there's no way we're ever getting this. <laughs> he took a fucking billionaire to the ECW arena, and I want to say it was bought to be wired, but I'm, that might not be the case. Which again. I just wonder, just to be a flood, like just to see what Shao Shad Khan reacted to this. <laughs> Look at his son going, you watch this shit. Who's this old bloke caught up in barbed wire? This is fucking horrible. We're going now and we're never speaking of this ever again. Mm-hmm. But no, in the end, he, you know, he's bankrolled the whole thing. And, he's, and the thing is as well, I mean, that's always the thing to take in mind is even though at this point in time, I think it's technically because of the video game costs, um, because they're paying for all the startup and development costs of that, and that's like another twenty million or so. Which, by the way, is no budget for a AAA games title. Like you, you know, it goes in a, a lot deeper than that. Mm. They are going to be profitable, though, like like heavily profitable. I mean, if we're looking at what the last pay per view they did was the record, yeah, mm. and it was one hundred and fifty thousand, mm. and they worked out they took something like three four million in profit from mm. that. I'd be pretty confident in this one doing 200,000 at least. And I think none of that, you know, it's an interesting one. And I'm sure it's one that we'll, we'll end up talking about sort of particularly on, on, on the weekend show and the rest of it. Like, but just, I, I imagine this, this has to be just because of punk, if nothing else. And then if the Brian, and if Brian. the Daniels, I was going to say, and, and if the Brian rumors are true and he's going to be, has that been confirmed in any way? There's I think not, so. Well, they're not. As good as confirmed, like, you know, um, when Tony was on that interview with the Observer, like he, you know, yeah. they, they asked him, and he, you know, he obviously couldn't. I can't answer like, that. Yeah, I know you can't. But he did also say, you know, when they were asking him about, oh, what's going on last, and he was like, oh, well, I had an idea, and I was happy with it, and now I'm really happy with it. Which, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I'm like, it's well, Kenny Omega and Christian are going on last because he fucking loves Christian. Takes a little bit of pressure off Punk, and Brian can come out at the end. I think that's happening. I think it's been reported. Obviously, they are, you know, I think Cassidy Haynes and a couple of yeah. people horse that they're like they're not 100 percent i'm pretty confident the new york show is going to go ahead but if that gets pulled the fuck aren't they you know you don't want to de- debut brian to to a couple hundred people or even a couple of thousand people you want to do it big time i think that they're, they're moving that up and i think he is coming at all out which you know maybe they could give that a bigger push on dynamite you know punk had the line in his uh his promo last week didn't he you know pretty much uh confirming it there too um but as far as like the actual debut and i think you know it's as good as given it's going to be on sunday too and that's going to be a game changer too that's going to be massive 
don't get too optimistic. Um, it's um, it is a. Uh, Loving his main event, and wanting uh, it's 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 going to be Matt Hardy against Billy Gunn, or something like that. <laughs> Based on Dynamite, maybe <laughs> potentially. <laughs> well, it, it should be. Imagine Colton Gunn comes out and says, "I've not I've not lost in AW for two years." I managed to ch- challenge Kenny Omega, Bobby Gunn, <laughs> the son. <laughs> the son. Bobby Bobby Gunn's eaten a loss there. I'm sure of it, but I don't know if the sons have, oh. which is wrong on every fucking level. Oh, um, yeah. it, it is one of the, it is one of those things because obviously we threw a lot of roses last week um, at, mm-hmm. at AW. Obviously, we have been now here with our you know mm-hmm. get our praise of Tony Khan and things, but I can't let you know. I know, I know it's one of the things on the list to talk about, but I can't let this week's dynamite go. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's 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 one of them things where we've you know we are incredibly positive about AEW generally i think we're very positive and optimistic about them when they do something good and they really like hit the mark but like fuck me that show <laughs> this this, this, this week shit you, you know i was literally left there feeling like I feel like a moron for everything that we talked about last week and all that, you know, literally everything that we, that we talked about and how, you know, great they are and, you know, knowing what to book and when and all, all this side of things. And then like, it's literally just watching that show and just thinking like, all right, it popped a number, you know, it did a good number and everything like that. And you can't argue with the rating and stuff, but like that card this week for, for he's all these people who've, heard CM Punk has, um, has joined AEW and watched that Friday night show and then they, they rolled out this like fucking hell what were did, they playing at did you have Mo, did you have Moan and Benno when you were here with my just because you can get away with it doesn't mean you fucking should like that's, <laughs> I've been shouting yeah. that I'm like that I did this week was that coming home to roost, wasn't it? Like, you know, you can oh. you can quibble the punk rampage. You can, you know, I think I've been turned around a little bit on the all-out card. I'm still not into it. because Just because I'm not into Christian, I think I've got to be honest with myself, that's a big reason why I don't love, I didn't love the all-out card. But a couple of the additions this week have maybe turned me around a touch. But I do think, like, as we talked about last week, you know, the reason we're throwing roses at AEW and it's such an exciting time, punk, Brian, everything else going on, the New York show coming up, like, it's because we want them to do well and it's because, you know, things feel hot right now. And then when things feel hot and you can get away with it, yes, Punk's on the show. So therefore, you know, we're probably going to do, you know, a guaranteed number above a million. Therefore, we can throw fucking Austin Gunn out and QT Marshall and Big Show. And it's like, there are two conversations to be had, aren't there? There's like what you can get away with. And, you know, at shop window time, when you know, new eyeballs are on your product going, oh, CM Punk's back in wrestling or or even just people who've not been watching through the pandemic who are like, oh, yeah, I'll come back for this stuff. When when those people are watching, you want to put them on a fucking show for them, don't you? And we talked about it a little bit on the, um, on the Grappy Hour in that, like, I'm not even not sympathetic to the idea that not every week can be an up week, can it? You know, if this week took place at some point in July or, you know, in October or something like that, and it was just a, a random off week, I don't think I'd, I'd be that harsh on them. It was the fact that they had Punk on the show and all these new viewers are watching and they're getting that absolute dross. They're getting, they're wheeling out Matt Hardy in the opener. To, I know we worked Orange Cassidy, but like... I don't know if that's the best advertisement for your product. It was just such a nothing happening dynamite, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I think I think that was it as well. And like you know, I was probably last week. I was probably the one who was sticking up a little bit more for the idea of yeah, you know, you don't have to put everything out there, and You're you know, right you can, you, you know, you can showcase certain things. But yeah, I definitely had your words ringing in my ears when I was uh, when Sorry. I was watching this, and I was thinking like, yeah, <laughs> but Ben was right this week. He's absolutely <laughs> right this week because like mm. like while I suppose like one of the arguments for me last week was was well. As long as you've got like one thing on the show, kind of thing, you can throw. You, you know, you can fill with other stuff. But like this, it just felt like there was. It just felt like there was nothing. And and for for me, the idea that you don't open with a hot opener in the way that Dynamite have been so good at. You know, I think I mentioned the other day. You know, starting with a books match or starting with a, you know, a you know Jungle Boy or something like that something that's really you know up tempo and you know that it's always going to be in that you know 3.75 territory and it just sort of like sets the tone for the night and things and gets the crowd up and it just shows some you know you know hot fast paced action like for me it was a you know it was a bit like if you know if Punk's on there on Friday and he's talking about Darby Allen why don't you just start the show and even having Darby Allen just putting on one of his matches where he just has like a mad match and just like yeah. does some crazy shit that just gets people thinking about, about oh I haven't, I haven't heard of this Darby Allen guy who Punk was talking about oh fucking hell he's mental like imagine what it's going to be like with him and Punk like I couldn't to, to me that was the logical starting point for, for Dynamite this week but you know mm. put it through in getting my hardy to limp out <laughs> You almost feel like the logic was let's just get the WWE old boys out there because if we get in this crossover yeah. audience or something like that, you know, let's get a few familiar faces in front of them. But I don't think that's what it what it needed. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the literally, yeah, I don't think there was an up point in this show. I, 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 it was a punk interview. But even that I mean, was kind of nothing punk. happening, wasn't yeah. it? Like, you know, I yeah. loved it because I love punk and I'm just happy to see him. But And there's a novelty as well in this, yeah. in seeing him. But there wasn't really much going on, was there? Like it was just a bit like our oh, punks here again. Hello. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the card, and there's a couple of these matches. I'm thinking this is on. This should be on dark elevation. The Gun Club versus the Nightmare Factory should not be on Dynamite. Fuck off. Just yeah. shouldn't have been on there. There's no good reason. No. You've got all of these talented workers, and I get due to COVID restriction, you're not going to have everyone there at the same time, and obviously only a certain amount of dates on some people, so you're not going to be able to use them every week, but. Fucking hell, Miro crushing someone. Mm. Like, I think that's the thing about it is that, and we have been kind of spoiled, like US TV wrestling presenting one match a week, which seems to kind of be, well, that's very good. You should watch this as well at the same time. Like there's normally a couple of good hot angles. You're not expecting everything to be great, but everything just felt like it was a difficult watch like the transition for this. And again, it's not a thing to kind of overly react to, but it still gives you that that element of, oh shit, they're not always going to be hitting on all all guns um, well, firing, are they? I mean, not a lot of guns on the show, so, you know, maybe. Um. <laughs> well, yeah, but none of them fired, mate. They're firing blanks, which I think is, is to everyone's benefit if those boys fire blanks. Blanks, and we end this gun club nightmare now. <laughs> oh, I, and it I'm, just it dies with them three, and then that's it. I like to, to the bigger point, like you know, Brock Anderson debut was the main event on the show. Brock Anderson, like, mate, there's no justification for against Malachi Black in the and the worst thing, that was the thing. This show, like, you know, we got punk. But it wasn't like we got punked much substantial. In the end. Yeah, exactly. And they had no time anyway, which they shouldn't because Alistair Black should be mowing through him. Uh, Malachi Black should be, should be mowing through him. 
But then it was like that fucking angle at the end. Like, I, what was going on? Like, Lee Johnson's your big save. That's your big moment to go off the air with on your your hot dynamite that was almost certain to do a, a near record number. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I I respect the monkey ball, but I don't know if it worked on this week for me. I didn't ask him about that the weekend, <laughs> and I feel like I should have done because mm. he was just on his Twitch feed doing that. And and again, he. It, I can't see where the Mookie Ball exists on this show. Mm. What's meant to be the great quarter-hour rating draw? Because I figured Punk okay. was turning up at the top of the hour. Mm. It made sense. But, like, Orange, Cass, Matt Hardy at the very start? Mm. I th- like, you've got Luke. Sorry. Mm. No, I think, like, the idea... I mean, to be fair, it was borne out having the Punk promo... A little bit vague. It was just as a punk promo on this show. Like that did um, 1.219 million, which wasn't even the peak of the show. The peak of the show was the Lucha Brothers um, Varsity Blondes tag. Like that entire first hour pretty much was hovering between 1.1 and 1.2 million. I think a lot of it was just like, okay, when's punk coming out? Okay, when's punk coming out? And like people stayed in and then it did kind of crash after he was gone, but it didn't crash that far. You know, it was still above, still above a million for the rest of the show. I think that was maybe the logic, you know, to maybe, you know, give it a bit of logic, JP. Yeah, I, I can I, I can see that, but it's it's still you're still having to jump through a bit of hoops in order to get the logic in place, aren't you, really? When simpler booking is the thing that's been their success story and the thing that's kind of worked, mm. putting on matches that people want to see. Mm. So like and and again, it, it's it's like you you said earlier on, it's this it was when you thought there's too many ex-WWE guys. The point of this is you use punk as the entry point for people to then see all these new stars who are doing these other things that you're not seeing on Raw. Mm. Well, the gun club are doing stuff that you're going to see on Raw, and they're probably going to be worse than what you see on Raw. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's a lot of there, there was a lot of people on this on there this week that if you said, All right, they're going to be on WWE in a couple of months, I'll be like, Yeah, fine, whatever. I don't really care. And that's and that's honestly how how I felt. And if you're talking about what the penultimate show of of dynamite before they go to the pay-per-view, mm. it, it's it, it's ridiculous. Mm. Like but it's not it's you know, they're very good at least in they'll never publicly acknowledge some of the feedback, but I I always remember that awful episode of Dynamite which ended with the Dark Order beatdown of the the elite mm. and how they managed to salvage so much from that. Now I'm not I think there's people on here you can't do that with. You like I don't think and I'm sorry I'm picking on them. The Gun Club <laughs> are ever going to mean anything to anyone. I'm going to You feel like young boys mate. Well, what if you should be here? fucking hired in the company <laughs> let alone on the show. Like <laughs> I was sick of Billy Gunn when him and the road dog were nicking Legion of Doom's fucking um, shoulder pads and nicking stuff from all the various tag teams, I was like, oh, Christ, he's going to be around for a bit, isn't he? Mm. Let alone when they pushed him a single star, let alone at the extreme in 2021 that he's on television on a show that he's no right to be anywhere near involved, looking three times the size of his boys, which Mm. is just weird Mm. in the whole thing as well. You know, it, it's it's just, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was a, and you know it was what? a bad show. And, and you know what? And they won that match by distraction finish with yes. Paul White at the top of the ramp. And I was like, 
destruction, do we get destruction finishes in AEW? And I was like, we get destruction finishes with Paul White at the top of the ramp. I was like, I felt like this has been written by the WWE guys who were involved or something like that. It just felt, it felt like something that would happen on Raw or something like that. It really, uh, fuck, I fucking yeah, hate that, that, that whole, ev- everything about that match and the finish and everything like that. Shocking. I'm going to read it, name this episode JP versus Barry and Terry Gunn. I think that's where, that's what this show is. That's their names, that. Um, I but, wish it was their names. I could get behind a couple a tag team with the first names of Terry and Barry because it'll make me think of Terry and Barry Grant from Brookside. But, like, sorry, I'm channeling my inner Joe here. This is like, you know, it's the kind of thing that, you know, you're not. Then. You know, Colton Gunn is no Barry Grant. I'll put it that way. I'll just throw that out there. He's not even a Mick Johnson. He's not even a fucking Sinbad. That's how <laughs> bad that kid is. He's not little Jimmy Corkill. Uh, I mean, I think what didn't help as well is like, you know, obviously the rating was good. Rampage did all right. Rampage, you know, beat the first week, you know, and, and did really well in the demo. Like it was the number one show for Friday night and that was 10 o'clock on a Friday. You know what mm. I mean? Like that's, that's a, that's a, you know, has to be said, you know, that is, that is strong. But I think what didn't help here and what, you know, I'm not trying to be alarmist. Like I'm sure they'll get it right. I'm sure they will. But like it didn't fill me with confidence. Like my worry of like, okay, they've added an extra hour of TV. Is this going to be a problem? And like you look at that that Rampage lineup, and I look at that Jurassic Express Lucha Brothers match, which I really enjoyed. Fuck me, could Dynamite have done with that match? You know, yeah. like, and four weeks ago it would have got it. <laughs> it was so frustrating, you know. Um, that that I don't think that helps either. I'm sure with time, like we've talked about this, didn't we, Gareth? Like that, like you know, this is a promotion that's bringing Brian Danielson in, who's probably going to wrestle once a week and do 15 minute bangers with everyone up and down the roster. This is a promotion that's got unbelievable depth, and there's so many people that weren't on these shows that, like, I'm not even, you know, I don't think depth is the excuse for 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 not, you know, putting your best foot forward with Dynamite. But it does still feel we can say that like is that balance an act of ah we'll save that for rampage, we'll save that for the third hour. Is that going to be an issue going forwards? You know that that is something I think you know again I'm not kicking off now, but I think they're going to have to monitor. Yeah, and I think it's it is it, it is it's like you know we talk that we've they've won that element of trust in us that we sort of like trust them to get this thing right. But you do get these like blips where you get weeks like this, but I was exactly the same as you watching, you know, watching that first match on rampage, you know, where I'm talking there about like dynamite just needed something like a, just a real hot opener there on the back of, um, you know, the audience from the previous Friday night. And it was this match. It really was. This was this this was the match that, you know, when I'm saying there, that normally put on a Jungle Boy match or a Bucks match or something, some high tempo, you know, you know, real exciting, energetic, you know, wrestling match to just start the show and set the tone. And this is exa- this is exactly that. And, you know, that's that would have been there and it, it should have been there really as the as the as next show. Um but again it's it's one of those that they've built that element of confidence in you that they'll you know you know they'll they'll probably figure it out. They've got, you know, additional people obviously they're coming through. One of the things that we've pointed through in the past has been often in the build up to pay-per-views they have almost like taken a little dip in their booking of even dynamite kind of thing in two to three weeks before a pay-per-view. And it's, you know, they have, that probably has been one of the areas that they've struggled in is, you know, keeping that momentum going right up to the pay-per-view. And I think this is, again, is, is another one where in, in certain parts, they, 
they have done that. There's a you know there's some interesting stuff that they've added, but it's been added very late in the day. Like your, your Eddie Kingston Miro, for example, just been you know coming coming very late in the day with you know no particular you know no particular real build to it Don't and things. It's something that well. I'm excited to just with that one, Gareth. Sorry, doing so just to, just to dwell on that point. Fucking six weeks of them two cutting promos on each other. I know Miro's cut a couple, but come on, like that's why haven't we been doing that? <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, and and again, like Moxie Kojima, it's something they're interested to see, kind of thing. And it's you know, it's something that's you know, it's 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 going to be good and enjoyable on the card, but it's just something that's just just there. And you you, you almost think like you've got you know, if you almost like run down the the all out card and you look at some of the combinations and things, there's things that's going on there that we're like barely featured was was you know it was pack was pack andrade yeah. mm-hmm. was it even mentioned on this show was it was there even a, a promo or anything and I, I, I can't remember one if I, I haven't fucking mm-hmm. written it down if it was but you know there's there's things like that there that are you know something that should be a top match on 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 all out but Instead, you're getting yeah the Gun Club, and you're getting you know you're getting Aaron Solo and Brock QT Anderson. Marshall out there and things like the that. Wingmen. You know, Brock Anderson. You know, is it is he even on the yeah, show? Yeah. Actually, Malachi Black is is not even on all out. Is he? Has he got a nope. match? No, no. Nope. Like with Cody gone, like I'm surprised they've kept that going with him. Surely they could have given him a different feud, like you know, to wait for Cody to come back. Why is he feuding with the Jobbers? Like that was weird. It's like main event of the go go home show, go home dynamite for all out, and your main events two guys who aren't even you know, or the star of that that is a guy who's not even on the show. Like, yeah. just uh, seems a bit seems a bit bizarre. Like, it does. And you, know, I, I agree. Like, I, I've turned around some somewhat on the all out card. Like, I. No, I still don't love it. Like Alan said in the chat there, you know, uh, <laughs> me undigging my heels on uh, on Christian's probably not coming anytime soon. I'm not excited about that match. I think people are kidding themselves. They think he's going to be any better than the TV match. I don't think adding time to that match makes it better. But that's just me. I'm sorry. I don't want to anger any more Christian fans. I get most people are excited about that, and I'm not. But the rest of the, like, the, you know, the car, like, Punk Derby, obviously, there's an excitement there. If Brian's debuting, we're probably going to all forget about it afterwards. I think Miro Kingston's changed my tune a bit. Like I say, I'm, I'm yeah. with you, Gareth. I wish I'd had eight weeks of promos, ten weeks of promos with them too. And we weren't just kind of, you know, falling into this match on, on a couple of weeks' build. Outside of that, I, I don't think Moxley Kojima is... I mean, it's a match for people who know the legend of Kojima and who, you know, like him. But, you know, it's not like he's an important wrestler in New Japan anymore. And it's not like, you know, that isn't a disappointment, I think, for, for the... For, it was even, it even... You could hear it in Moxley's voice when he kind of, like, announced that that was the match, that it was like, oh, yeah, this is what they gave us. Um, as good as it'll be, I'm sure it'll be enjoyable. But it is... It's, it's a mixed bag for me. There's a lot of stuff. Like, there's thrown together stuff on there. You know, the... I think the Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers in a cage match, you know... Feels a little bit thrown together, but I suppose, you know, I heard Tony talking about it on Observer Radio, and, you know, it's been two years since they've done the match. There's logic there in that the Young Bucks have, you know, not wanted to, you know, have had loads of interference in the matches and whatever, so therefore this is going to be a cage match. Plus, it's the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers, so they're going to, you know, with a cage. You know, imagine what Phoenix is going to do with a cage. Like, no matter the build, they're going to kill it there as well, aren't they? But... You know, it is still a, a bit of a mixed bag of, of a show, even if maybe it's it's feeling stronger than, than than I felt about it last week. I think you're right with the, and you're both right when when you added Miro Eddie Kingston to it. Even though weirdly, I mean, maybe it's just me, and I'm, I'm again, AEW provides the 
the the kind of the right to go and fantasy book all you want because you can have so much stuff to it. But there is a part of me that says the real match between them is the is a rematch. So you go to a kind of no contest or whatever here, and you do a rematch at Arthur Ashe because that for me is the kind of match that you know you put on that night that that'll be the one that people come away potentially talking about. Plus with that big hometown support for Eddie Kingston, but that that match alone kind of changed my tune weirdly. Although it was a point that I think Gareth brought up, was it last week as well? I forget all the days kind of going to one now at this stage. And it feels like CM Punk debuted at least three months ago. Um, But one of the things that Gareth said is they don't like, they're very careful at keeping kind of plenty of, you know, like not blowing their load all on one big card. And then it becomes like, all right, where do we go from here? You're more or less like you can tell with this that it does build to other stuff. I think it's just the case that if they'd done it better, and say for example, Chris Jericho and JF was the fifth labor match, and we were going into this, yeah, and and he'd said no, I want you to retire if you don't win this, and like kind of forced it, then then you kind of you're at least looking forward to it because at least feels dramatic, whereas and fresher, it feels like yeah, it would yeah. Exactly, exactly, and I don't think I. I think you should be putting the lights of an MJF under pressure mm. to see really how kind of like good he is. It's like okay, you know, we are giving you the shots. You can't argue with that. Um, but like you mentioned it with Pack and Andrade, where was that this week? Even like Britt Baker, Chris Statlander feels like there's a couple of bits of interference, but really there's no juice to it. You don't know why they're in a match other than they're in a match. Mm. against each other but there's no real reason for it mm. like you've not you've not seen that and again it just makes me think that you know you, they're going to be building to ruby soho probably in a bit i imagine she'll be the joker in that casino battle royal and she'll win that and then it'll be her against her her against brit baker potentially that that's kind of the way that that i'm i'm seeing that one going but nothing that's exciting and I think that's yeah. They're the they're the kind of things. It's like there's still the the issues we have about the cards about like what is the great the great match that's gonna sort of really appeal to people. But I think, like you said earlier, the way Tony Khan seems to be setting up, you know, you've got Danielson debuting possibly then at the very end. Mm. If he's allowed to use his um, "Fly of the Valkyries" theme music, of course, Ben. <laughs> Can't I think be written in 1851. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was a fun exchange. Well, yeah. From yeah, Sir Jim of Johnston, um, <laughs> James Johnston the Fifth. Um, yeah, he trademarked it again for his great, uh, great, 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 great grandson. To uh, use, yeah. If you run a wrestling Twitter account and you think it's news that, that Daniel Bryan can use Flight of the Valkyries, uh, it's not copywritten by WWE. It's like lads, mate. I mean, it's it, oh, to be fair, Andrew Rich did say you know, versions of it can be copywritten, but obviously, it's fucking classical music, folks. It's uh, it's gonna be, <laughs> and I hate it when they do that. They did it with they did it with Ric Flair, they have to do their own version of um. Oh, what's the name of it? I can never say because it's all in German. The the Ric Flair theme. I mean, it's better um, than what NWA use for him. So you know, I'll still give them that. that. Was awful. <laughs> yeah, that we'll was absolutely that awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know what. Um, <laughs> nah, shocking. Yeah. But you know, I think he's got to come out to fly at the Valkyries. Mm. Really, I think it's Probably, a similar yeah, situation yeah. to cult of personality. They want the yes chance. Yeah, and it's an easy thing to chant yes to. Yeah, and you don't you don't have to pay. So, like, it ticks a lot of boxes. 
Yeah. Whereas Europe will be charging a pretty penny for Final Countdown. I imagine. An issue that Ring of Honor never decided to concern themselves with. <laughs> and I, I might admire Hence that. why the DVDs and the, and YouTube videos are uh, kind of non-existent now, but hey-ho. Uh, speak uh, to Uncle Connor about that. He'll sort you out. Are you guys, I mean, I, again, I want to throw some, are you guys hyped for, uh, for Christian Kenny as a big match on the show? Is the, the Don Callis and Christian build like helped at all? Like that main event on Rampage didn't help. Like I hated that. But, you know, it wasn't, the, it wasn't the match that show needed. But as an overall, like I'll say, as a positive, I do think the, the Don Callis-Christian stuff has been interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's something where, again, while I'm not, like, again, running for the hills to tell everyone to go and watch <laughs> Kenny Omega against Christian Cage so, this weekend, for one, it's where, you know, I was on a bit of a downer about the idea of that being a main event, you know, a couple of months ago when we chatted about it and things. Mm. Actually, the, this build of the, the, the last couple of weeks, mm. it's got me more interested in it. I like the way they do it, do, have done it. I like a lot of the execution and things like that that has got them to this stage and they've probably made me as interested in a Christian Cage world title match in 2021 as I could possibly be. And it's, you know, it's not something that I'm like looking at the card and dreading the idea that it's the, you know, the world title match on on, on an all-out pay-per-view. It's one that I'm, you know, I'm accepting of it. Like, I think, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It, it doesn't feel wrong. It doesn't feel incorrect to have this on, on this particular card. And I think there's another, enough matches in and around it as well that, you know, look interesting and ex- exciting enough that I don't even, I don't think it takes away from the, the overall all, all card, as, card as well. So yeah, that's something where, for me, I do have to, you know, throw, throw a bit of positivity their way for the, for it and the fact that yeah it's not something that I'm gonna sort of like shit on the idea of Christian Cage having a, having a world title match this weekend on a, on a pay-per-view I think it's totally fine and acceptable and while I don't think that they're gonna go out and have a you know four and a half star plus match you know I think it's perfectly you know realistic to think that they're gonna have a match that's probably in that 3.75 to 4.25 territory they're gonna have a a good match that falls within a strong match that that falls within that that range and and i don't think either of them have got it in them to absolutely shit the bed on 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 this stage either so so yeah i'm um i've I've uh, I've turned the corner a little bit on on, on this no, one. Is it something that I want to see see after this weekend? Absolutely not. You know, it's like mm-hmm. for me, it's a case of I think sometimes AW do have the do have the tendency to just drag things out a little bit longer, kind of thing. For me, it should mm-hmm. be a case of Christian loses and then okay, that was your shot and you're done, kind of thing. But I could just see it being something that they possibly then do drag out for another month or six weeks through a variation of different things across dynamite you know building to a second match or something like that which is you know they've done some things in the past past that might grate on me but for for this week i'm fine with it i think like jp like the the tv the tv match being strong and like gareth says the yeah. the, the callous stuff i think is i think a lot of people are kind of telling that same story yeah exactly i think Again, it's very similar. Like when this match was first announced, I was completely like, I, I, I don't want to see it. The TV match turned me on it, like you say. I think there was always an acceptance that we were going to get this match at some point. And this feels like this is possibly as good a build that match we would have had. Like if this match was happening in a year's time, would we be feeling worse about it then? If he's just been trundling around the kind of mid upper mid card for the best part of a year and is then getting a title match. I think the match will probably end up better 
than what we all think. I have a funny feeling about this. I'm like After that last match, it made me just think they could work out something that's actually very, very good. Um, I think and I have make to say, me. Think you'll get me? I don't think that, I don't know if that's possible, really, to be honest with you. I think you'll probably say, yeah, that's as good as it is. Now go away. Like, I don't think you're, you're for turning. Yeah, if he has that. a great match, like Margaret Thatcher in that regard, you know, changes his haircut and maybe changes his look he's had for 20 years, I might come round on him. No, I'm he's nearly 50, mate. That's not going to happen. <laughs> like, he, he's not, he, I don't see him changing it. Um, or if he does, it's going to be for the worse. I will say, this build with Don Callis and this Winnipeg story and the overall level of weirdness to it has completely won me round. <laughs> like when that the promoter, when Tony Condello dropped in the line of like, and he told me to get rid of the Christian cage and Kenny was 10. You're like thinking, yeah, like I'm glad somebody has acknowledged like the overall oddness that he's got this absolute faith in a 10 year old boy. Because it's a storyline that is simultaneously shouldn't be in wrestling, but is also very wrestling. Um, <laughs> like, like it feels so weird that I've I've just kind of got a kick out of it. Mm. Like pulling back this weird Winnipeg indie footage. Like yeah. it, I've enjoyed it, and I think again this is where the signing of Don Callis has been kind of great because as a promo, like I, I mean, I fucking love him. Like I, I've kind of bought this, the cold kind of carny piece of shit stuff. So I've enjoyed it for the last couple of weeks. Imagine, Although that, that apart from that main event match on Rampage, going to say fucking dog shit. Imagine, imagine Kenny on his own without Callis for this feud. Like it'd just be Brandon yeah. Cutler fucking doing somersaults and fucking breakdancing with the other knobhead Nakazawa, <laughs> wouldn't he? Sticking eggs up their yeah. asses and fucking whatever the fuck they do. Like I don't, I don't know. How does that get on telly? Like, how did how did that main event get greenlit? Like, surely somebody, somebody somewhere says, you know, that's not what the show needs right now, lads. We've got a big pay-per-view coming up next month. We don't need literally the worst, and they say it now, the worst wrestler on the roster, Brandon Cutler, in a TV main event, week three of Rampage. Like, ah, that, that was rough. Again, at a time where, I know less people watch Rampage, but at a time where you're trying to attack new fans, yeah. I don't see it. As part of the overall shtick of the young bucks and their young boy spraying that, I don't have a problem with that because if he's there to get beat up and kind of humiliated, it's fine. Keep him on YouTube, but not like yeah, but not like this. Mm. Like that's him at ringside having kind of minimal involvement and in there for filming being the elite. Mm. Fine, whatever. Mm. Nowhere near matches mm. because as soon as he's there, it's like well, he's there, we eat the fool. And we're just killing time until that happens. There's no actual drama. And then when Kenny walks out, I was like, well, of course he would do. But it doesn't mean anything because Brandon Cutler's not going to leave, is he? It's just part of the storyline where you can do that to people. And if it's not him, it'll be Nakazawa. Mm. You know, it's 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 that type of stuff, which is why probably, and this is where it gets kind of, if we're building to Danielson, and obviously we've got Adam Page there on the back burner, much more serious feuds with much more kind of like kind of consequences to them. That's where it needs to be. Like, like somebody needs to have that chat of go, you remember that time you were really great? It was primarily based around the fact that a lot of your feuds were serious. Mm. Now fucking cop on, mate, nearly 40. And then just walk away and see if that does any damage sticks in his head. But that's where it should be for me. I've got nothing to add on Brandon Cutler main event in that show. It's been it's all been said. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see him. And, 
Can I also say as well, shout out for that Janice stuff, which I I don't know. We're talking about in the grappy hour as well. Because I think that's <laughs> Battersby. Janice Battersby. All oh, right. <laughs> Fuck's sakes. <laughs> oh, if Les Battersby was alongside him. Um but that's actually a big get. Like, and if they're able to use this NBA relationship and even getting the UFC fighters turning up there, like a Jorge Masvidal and the rest of it. Mm. They've had like, they're kind of, they seem to be getting more and more of those kind of quite decent celebrity endorsements and getting Janice out there. Like he's a big deal. Well, like, that's what we no should say, shouldn't it? As the British podcast, we should say, we know our listeners are probably all thinking the same thing. I, I am. Who the fuck is he? You know, but and I, I do. And also, like, I think the truth's somewhere in the middle because the Americans will be like, oh, no, he's a great worldwide star. You know, the NBA is bigger in other countries in Europe than the UK. And it is, but like some countries, mm-hmm. not all countries, you know, it's a, it's a big fucking place, Europe. Uh, you know, he's, a, he's not exactly a, a football is in Scandinavia. Him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, they're a US company, aren't they? So we're used to this shit, yeah. aren't we? I didn't know who LT was when he wrestled Bam Bam Bigelow. I didn't care. I just, they presented him as a big deal. And I was like, well, he's a big deal then. You know, that was, that was enough for me yeah. as, as a kid. I think that's just, you know, that's just wrestling. It's an, it is always going to be an American product, you know, when it's an American company. It is, and it's an easy... Like, they're in Milwaukee. They won the NBA Finals. He was MVP. Mm. Um, and to be honest, he was reacting like a fan. Mm. Like, he looked like he was fucking massively into it. Yeah. And then obviously Tony Khan did that bit where he came out and gave him the title, and he was like... You could clearly think he's not going to walk away that night going, God, that was awful. Mm. Like, I had to do this, some sort of bizarre track where I had to go to this wrestling event took the photos with them and everything else. And it's just those little things. Mm. And if they're able to do that and they go to seas, and this is where you get Tony Khan using these other roles of being involved in football, having a good relationship with Warner media, being involved in um, the NFL, but being a major sports owner that kind of gives him the credibility, I think then to go to other major sports organizations. You don't think he's a joke who runs a wrestling company and he doesn't act like a loon. Like overexcitable, yes, but not like a loon like Vince McMahon does. I think that all works out, you know, really well. Mm. And uh, for him, and I think if they're able to get these, because I can see them when they go to New York as well. Is it James Harden who's at like the Brooklyn Nets and stuff? There might be people that they're able to to kind of get in in New York as well who are kind of going to be celebrities. And I can see this being happening on the reg from now on. Mm. Yeah, that's what you want to do as a mainstream you know, wrestling promotion in the US. Um, any thoughts on Dynamite or Rampage? Nah. We all excited for, uh, you mentioned Fulham there, JP. One thing we didn't touch on from the Tony Khan interview, all excited for AW Craven Cottage. That's a turn up for the books. Wow. Will took oh, us victory yes. lap when he was on the crappy hour. Are we all going down to that? Yeah. I'm not fucking missing another copper box, by the way, but I love that. Uh, <laughs> I love that it's going to be year, one year. It's the, the anniversary of that show, isn't it? Is it two years, three years? Yeah, two years. <laughs> two years. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, I'll be there at Craven Cottage though, mate. I'll be there. I love that though as a venue. I think that's that's perfect. I made up he said that in that interview. I think that's uh, that's good news. 
It's it's a football ground I've always wanted to get. It's like top of my list of football grounds that I've not been to. So I like I just I was like holding out hope for this that it would happen for AW. So yeah, God, that'd be that'd be perfect. That'd be fucking amazing to go and see a AW show at Craven Cottage. All in with that big turn. Good lad. There we go. Yeah, live podcast for think... it as well. Happening. Exactly. I've got a lot of things you... I've, I've advertised the live podcast for now, but that's on the list. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's what we book not, for. Not... A lot of yeah. pubs near there, <laughs> yeah. like on the way up there and around that stuff. It's West London, so like I'll just say it's 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 like if you're walking around there, like you're it's in a it's a very weird ground. It's in the middle of like a residential area, and like the couple of times I've been there, I've enjoyed it. The first time was actually I was talking about the time I was there with Republic of Ireland. I was there to watch Liverpool play Fulham, and Emil Heskey scored two in like the first ten minutes. I was there with my mate who's a Liverpool fan, and we managed to get a couple of tickets. And we went along, and then Arsenal played Newcastle, where Burkamp did that famous turn around Nikos Dabby's ass happier days but as a ground to get to it's easy Mm -hmm. it's of a decent capacity one that's very you can sell that out and I'm actually confident they will do once you add Europe into the mix and European fans who are oh, going to want to totally. come over. What's the capacity? Well? Twenty-five to thirty. It'd be twenty-five, wouldn't it? Um, but if, if you're putting seats on the on the pitch, you're probably talking thirty. Um, Dylan and the chat would have a better idea because they're having a like they're doing redevelopment of the grounds at the minute, and I mm. don't know how far along they are because mm. the whole thing was like if you went there originally, it was like very very ramshackle, and a bit along the river, that's where they're putting like executive boxes and the like, mm. but. Um, yeah, you would be talking kind of 20,000 then with a couple of thousand there. And obviously it being a, a, a stadium, if you're not selling out, you can put like your stage in front of one of the stands. So you've got it packed out and have them coming out. There's good little tricks. You, there's a lot more tricks you can have than in an arena. I think like MSG, for example, has always been kind of limited by what you can do stage wise. Right. And I think with, with Craven Cottage, there's a bit more scope. Mm. to see to, to what they could do with that unless they absolutely sell out in which case who cares how big it's like Arthur Ashe who cares how big the fucking stage is the spectacle's like it's, it's going to be like a full stadium that's what what you're going to want to see and I, I, I'm all there for the uh, Darby Allen coffin drop off the cottage <laughs> <laughs> it's covered <laughs> <laughs> Joey Janella doing a hardcore match. That Michael Jackson statue isn't there anymore. That's gone. Mm. Um, I've got a photo of my sons stood by that, which is <laughs> oh. vague. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Make this worse photos of uh, people with your sons. But uh, anyway, <laughs> oh, one with them of a stat of like a thing that was taken from Iraq of Saddam Hussein with a shotgun in his hand. Oh, I was just thinking like, of the progress yeah. shows, mate. But anywho, <laughs> oh right, yeah. <laughs> Good shout. What's the uh, the train trip journey like, mate? From uh, from the electric ballroom to um, to, to Fulham, by the way. To the, the electric ballroom to Fulham. Mm-hmm. You want to know specifically from Camden Town there? Yeah, because, um, just in case yeah. anyone puts a live podcast on inside the electric ballroom, like uh, well, like there, there before, you go. You know? uh, very easy because you go to Hammersmith Station and you walk up, and it's about a fifteen minute walk. A lot of pubs around there. It's West London, like I say, so it's quite posh. There's loads of stuff you can do around that part of the world it's it's a good place to have it if those of you've been to the hammersmith apollo which is like right on sort of like hammersmith flyover Mm. you're only walking up a road up there for a few minutes but it's in a residential area and it's right like on the thames like kind of sits on the thames as well which makes it like gareth said it's like if you like your football grounds it's one of the more picturesque ones Mm. and it's fulham so it's not like they're not known for their firms are they fulham 
let's face it. It's not like you take, like, you know, I'd love to see someone run a wrestling show at the, at the new den just to see how that goes down. Lads <laughs> doing coke and probably taking a piss on cars outside or something. I'd go with that. It'd be like going never, to that Norwich never, one. Never, never mind. <laughs> never mind Jan- never mind Janice when you've got Terry Airlock and Les Briley sat in the uh, front row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking hell. But yeah, that, Mitch Ravine has to make an appearance for that oh, now. They got to. They got to bring in it. What was it? Who was Tony Khan's best mate? What's his name? That shit comedian. Who was it? He turned up on All In. Jack Whitehall. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, all his mates. Bring them all out. Mitch versus Miro. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> It'd be like there I say, go. I was gonna it'd be like that to WAW show where they had um Grant Holt on, didn't they, in the uh, in the That's main nice. event. <laughs> There's money in there. Cumbria's finest. Yeah, Good go. old Grant Holt. <laughs> Grant Holt. Um but yeah. Maybe Bobby DeCordova Reed is just like a really good flyer and we've just never taken it fully into consideration. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was always a uh, a big Bobby Zamora fan from his fallen days. He was a uh, fancy oh. football gold that lab was. Um a legend. <laughs> Uh, even Clint Dempsey, great lads. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, only other AW notes I was going to mention Adam Cole, uh, apparently he's a free agent this week. Be a fucking grown up, mm. mate, and sign for AW is probably the only advice I'd, uh, I'd give him. Don't even like him. I just don't want to see. I just don't want to. I can't imagine looking at the, that news we talked about earlier, look at the state of play and looking at what WWE are doing and thinking as Adam Cole with Britt Baker as your girlfriend, you know what I'm going to do? Sign a contract with Vince McMahon. Um, you know, found him, not a founder member of the elite, but, you know, member of the elite. Can't imagine a world he's signing back with WWE now that he's a full free agent, but sillier things have happened. Although the same concerns, and I remember again Gareth raising this a, a, a sort of a few weeks ago, where it's just like, well, can you put them on ice then for a mm. while? Well, you let some of these storylines, like some Bray. of these stories, and these players, yeah, Bray supposedly coming in at some point. That was another story that got reported by uh, Meltzer last week that they're interested. <laughs> we haven't had a chance to talk about that. Didn't that get? Didn't someone? Uh, I'm saying this more hopefully. Didn't I say that get shot down by a couple of other? People. I think Alvarez poo-pooed it more than Meltzer talked it up. That was kind of the hopeful thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that uh, maybe you can put him in a tag team. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you can bring back the gold of the uh, the NXT era, Bray. I don't know. I can he do a silly shit somewhere and get that stuff out of his system, and then he learns it's just probably wank. And it just goes, right, this is rubbish. I better like, yeah, I'll listen to this old bloke who seems to have been wrestling for a while. He just tells me to act like a hard bastard and say nothing. Maybe I'll stick with that for a bit. That's why, like, I, but I can't see how anyone else can afford him. Mm. I think that's the problem. I think AEW would be the only company that can give him the kind of money he wants. It's certainly not the money he deserves. Mm. I think if there was something about how really keen he was. He'd go out there and go, right, I'm going to write a few wrongs. I'll be truthful. I'm more likely that he's going to turn up back in WWE mm-hmm. is really where I kind of feel like about it. I don't know why. I just have this feeling of like, he'll play around for a bit. I, I, I don't know like what kind, how do you present him in a way that fans are going to kind of embrace it? Like you'd almost have to go back to that kind of original Bray Wyatt character for it. But yeah. It, the rumor it, was impact as well. That came up the last couple of weeks. That'll be yeah. nice for him. Like, there you go, JP. London, That's your smart. favorite show. Well, they've got rid of AC, AC Romero's left. So there's a spot for a big <laughs> lad in XXXL with Larry D. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so because of that, there, there's a place for him to go there. But yeah, I mean, I 
if he was going to go there, I'd be kind of intrigued to see what he does. I'm not convinced. He'd probably have an effect on numbers with that weird fan base of his. Um, but it's still, if that's the case, let him go there and kind of discover his character. Mm. Because then I think it happens like in a vacuum that if it catches on, great. Then he's, you found this good character that you can finally kind of go with. And if it's shit supernatural bollocks and he gets that, but he gets that stuff out of his system and he go, well, it happened somewhere where who gives a shit? It doesn't really matter. And you, you wouldn't blame Impact for trying to see if they can gain a few pay-per-view buys for it because they're going to do that. Mm. But yeah, I, d- I, I just don't see the tangible benefit. And I think there's too many unknowns about what, like how much of this is his idea and how much of it is WWE's. What is his own like kind of real thoughts of what he wants his character to be? Whereas funny enough, you don't have those same concerns with Adam Cole. He comes in as Adam Cole doing the same Adam Cole shtick, if that's mm. the case. It's just that at the moment it's too crowded and convoluted and it doesn't really fit in anywhere. So mm. again, if you can put him on ice for a bit and let him go out there, then but then you that would switch for a bit, you know. Busy yourself. Go out on the I always think with these things, create the indie buzz. It's like actors doing those kind of low under, you know, doing those kind of art house underground roles to gain that kind of critical credibility. I think, you know, do that stuff for a bit rather than kind of jumping into something that's kind of big budget and require them to be around all of the time. Yeah. I I was saying that the other week, you know, let it have him under contract, but he doesn't have to be on TV yet. You know, let him work PWG shows and things like that. You know, just, just, you know, just, just that system. And then, you know, bring, bring it, bring it, bring it in when it's needed. But with Bray Wyatt, I just, it just doesn't feel like it's one of them where like my gut feel is it just doesn't feel like an AW signing right now. I just can't, I just can't see where he fits or I can't see him sort of like fit in the mold of what they want to bring in. But then I like, then my brain thinks, oh, well, they signed Luther. So, you know, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like who, who, who knows? There's always a, if somebody knows the right person and they're friends with the right person and things like that, there's always that routine. And he does have like good friends there, doesn't he as well? Like Bray Wyatt as well, which is always a bit of a danger. But for me, yeah, I just want to see him like, go to Noah or something like that and get seven shades of shit knocked out of him by Segura or something like that. And then just decide to retire from wrestling altogether and go and open up a shop or something like that. Just, yeah, I never, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I never want to see Bray Wyatt on my TV ever, ever again. Go and do like some alligator tours or something like that. Hey, hey oh, you, uh, trademark Blood Brothers apparently the other day. You know, you could uh, bring him in with Bo, you know, serial killer tag team or something. Could we, could, no? Okay, no one's interested. No. Understandable. No. <laughs> no. no. Couple of bankers, no. you know, red, uh, no. a little briefcase, get some red suspenders, you know. <laughs> Taxmen. Like the old fella. The taxmen. <laughs> That fucker's got a lot to answer for. Sorry, again. <laughs> like yes. Billy Gunn. Why couldn't he had the snip a while ago? Anyway, <laughs> I, I di- digress <laughs> with that. Um, yeah, yeah, just don't. I, I, yeah, it, it's, it's, it'd be like a Braun Strowman t- turning up. It just doesn't feel like them. They don't do that kind of stuff. And The only thing yeah. that feels right about it to me is that like, I could see Tony Khan or Mucky looking at it and going... Bray pulls from a different audience than we pull from, you know what I mean? And like seeing like, okay, that's a different, maybe a different type of wrestling fan that maybe we could get a couple of more thousand people on, maybe crunching the numbers and pulling something out their ass for that. Stylistically though, like it's the last thing I want to see in the world. 
And that's the danger as well. It's not only that would they, if they're looking at the numbers, not only would they be looking at the positive gains to be made from those numbers, they'd also be looking at the negative impact as, uh, sure. as well. And, you know, for, you know, it's putting this jigsaw puzzle together. It's not just like build, build, build. You are going to like, mm. you know, you are going to eat into, you know, some positivity and things in certain other ways as, uh, as well by trying to do that. And obviously just with the, just a, you know, if you think now, by the time Danielson's coming in as well, mm. how you know how how busy that's suddenly then looking at the top end of the card where you're still ultimately working towards Hangman against um, Kenny as well mm. as your as your big main event rivalry and things. You know, what are you going to have him doing? And like, is it good? It, it, the money that he's going to want to have is it actually then worth the investment to have him? pissing about in the mid card or something like that as you, you know at that Miro level or something like that the return on investment might not like you know fit with it I mean I'm, to be I mean my my whole sentences here are just purely clouded by the fact that I'll hate, hate it if they sign him sort of thing so I think yeah, I'm I kind of that. like trying to talk my I'm trying to talk, I'm trying to talk myself into the idea that he's definitely not going to be signing <laughs> under any circumstances yeah. but um hopefully um Fun. Hopefully, hopefully we're on the same page. I think you said earlier, mate. Malachi Black hasn't got a match for the weekend, so you know. <laughs> Good God, imagine that! <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I tell you what. To be fair to him, the way we shit on him, and the, the way you know a lot of the mm. way we shit on him, you know, although we maybe weren't necessarily the biggest fans of his in ring work, and we weren't necessarily, obviously, we were like massively down on his approach to like going on Twitch after he got like fired <laughs> and things like that. You can't fucking complain about the no. way he's been handled. I don't yeah. think from the way in, and, and I tell you what, when he did it that black mass the other day. Um, the pop from the crowd. I was thinking, is there a be- is there a more over finisher in wrestling today than that? Because they were absolutely on their feet for it. And I was thinking, yeah. it's not often that you just see someone hit a finisher, a finisher, and the crowd just go absolutely ballistic just for the you know just for the finisher being hit kind of thing. It, it really just like livened the crowd completely with that that one second. So yeah, fair fucks to old uh, Tommy Bell and like he's uh, managed to turn the corner pretty uh, pretty rapidly there in a short period of time. And he kicked on Anson in the balls, which was, of course, the image we all expected. Uh, CM Punk's first dynamite to uh, to end with. <laughs> oh, and Anson playing hands moment like he's taking a football on the ground. Yeah, that's how we all uh, knew that was going to go. He, 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 he kicked on. He kicked on in Gene and Oli. <laughs> all of them bald with a little bit of hair. <laughs> oh, well, that's... Uh, AW should move on. Uh, obviously, we've uh, we've all watched the uh, little bits and pieces of uh, of NWA for this this weekend. Not a promotion we uh, often get to talk about, but we got a a bit of a, a time here to talk. It. Um, JP, did you watch the both the Empower and the Anniversary Show from this weekend? Yeah, I, I kind of so there's bits of it that I that were on and I've not really kind of paid much attention to, which probably <laughs> tells you about the kind of a lot of the shows themselves. I'm going to be absolutely honest. That's NWA. I think I've caught caught like the kind of crucial matches because I think that's possibly the 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 way to approach it. So mm. for me, the match I was most intrigued in seeing from the Empower show was uh, Layla Hirsch versus Camille. Oh, so good. I kind of made sure to make an effort to go for those. And yeah, I want to say, first of all, for that, a match that I think on paper you're fearing mm. because of the size and the experience levels of mm. both of them. Mm. There's something about Camille. I, I will say that there is there is something there. There's more there than perhaps that at times we give credit for because on that original iteration of NWA, um, 
she was great when it was just her and Aldous and her as Aldous is heavy. I thought that was just like a perfect combination. It worked really well and you enjoyed it, like kind of even the, the stuff with Joe Galley. And I thought this match was really like, they just sort of went for it between them. Um, Leela Hirsch continues the thing where you think like she's not prodigy is probably a very strong term for it, but there's real potential there. And the fact that she's like this pocket powerhouse, I think just works so well to her mm. kind of oh, advantage. She's a, she's a fun underdog, isn't she? She's like, you know, yeah. not, not, you know, she's clearly got bags of potential, but, you know, not there mm. to be like, I don't even think she should be on Dynamite at this point. You know, the, she needs work like this and matches she's like 19. this. 19. Well, this match was the perfect example of how to use her, I thought. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, even like you say, Camille's not, maybe at a bit she's all right but like there was something about it was the visual wasn't it of putting these two against each other yeah. you know that the size difference of camille versus layla hirsch and you know it actually did feel a little bit like layla was carrying camille more than the uh the other way around for like the oh yeah the relative experience but it was like it was just a fun like 10 minute you know big i, I want to say big man but big woman versus like little woman underdog type match it just <laughs> it, it hit all the spots you'd expect it had all the hope hots you'd expect pretty much at the finish you'd expect as well but you know it was fun you know i'm not going higher than maybe three and a half on grapple but like it was understandable why this was the match getting the uh the praise coming out of the show yeah and i think the fact that like layla hirsch's offense was believable and credible yeah was that the other thing as well. with that side that, that, that was important it was like that was a really important part of the story to tell is actually she could use this to her advantage. Now, and I've often been a like a kind of proponent of that. I've seen that with like the I I've often thought that with Gresham in Ring of Honor. It's just like, mm-hmm. well, you can portray this the fact that they're they're nowhere near as tall as them as actually well, they're like a Diego Maradona type, frankly. It's a low center of gravity, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's that it's that idea that you don't need to be a giant. You're so sort of skilled, but you at the same time you can't, you know people aren't able to get you um it's like if you played his odd job in the multi-man golden eye on the, um, <laughs> it's just shooting me head. well you couldn't yeah exactly you're shooting over his head it's too small whereas if you're, if you're baron samady for example you're, jaws like yes you, you're gone aren't you especially they've got the golden gun what a reference yeah, what a reference for that um yeah it was fucking great that was when you get eight player on the go Oh, that's a messy. They're just all nighters, really. Absolutely <laughs> off my tits. Four was the most I'd ever. Oh, simpler times, yeah. wasn't it? When game games certainly were simpler. But I, 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 with this match, I think it, 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 it worked for what it had to do and needed to do. They both come out of it better. Mm. I mean, the match the following night against Chelsea Green, I thought was absolutely cut. It was just. Bang average, frankly. I don't. Really the goodwill of the Empower show didn't really flow into yeah. uh, on the women's division side. Didn't really flow into no. uh, that anniversary show, did they? Very, no. very two different animals, those as well, aren't they? Yeah. Chelsea Green and Layla Hirsch. You know, when it comes to in ring stuff as well. Like, that's true. That's yeah. true. I thought. I think on that first one, like on the Empower show, like I haven't watched any of this one, but you know, on the app that 
if you know probably again if I always say this if we had one more hour before we were recording tonight that would have been the next match that what would have been would have been the Camille Layla Hirsch one based on the average rating because you say in there Benno like three and a half it's it's averaging out at like 3.83 on the app which That's is brilliant. you know especially for like a women's match as well which I think they typically put my rating into seem, to, down, seem to track a bit lower but I was looking I was looking and Rich, Rich Grace from voices on he went 4.25 on it on the app as well so like when yeah. i seen that he put that in there i was thinking like no fucking hell i definitely need to to give this a watch and just mm. yeah listening to you guys just discuss it there as well it feels like it's something that a bit of a bit of work's been put into putting it together and trying to you know probably mm. accentuate the positives that Layla Hirsch brings and you know hide the negatives of Camille and exploit that size difference and things things like that really yeah. which yeah it's it's intriguing it's it's it's, it's interesting because i do agree with jp that Camille every time i see her she's she has just got an element of like an it factor about her, hasn't she? There's just something mm. that, that, that there's something there which is which is of interest. So I know that I'll I'll definitely be checking that out. And certainly with the the ratings being as high as they are on the app, or or they were until you put your rating in better. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, but it is it's the match. I was going to say, JP, it's the match you imagine yeah. it to be. Basically, you can pitch yeah. the match now, and they do that technically well. Is probably the way to put it. Yeah, and it serves several different masters, which is the other thing I kind of liked about this show is. Like one of the things we talk about is like you've got all this young talent, you need to loan them out there and do stuff. Well, do you know what they did it on this show? Mm. Like Diamante means more in NWA than she ever will do in AEW. Mm. You put like I think it's Kylie King and Red Velvet together. Like this is where Red Velvet should be for a bit. Like really, like I mean, having seen her in that match with J- Jamie Hater, which was horrible. Um, you mean frankly, Jamie Hager, like, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Jake's wife. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we sorted that out. Uh, inside joke, though. There's a podcast somewhere, yeah. everyone. I'm not going to say which website. It might be um, a pro wrestling website that's been around for a long time. They're AW Review. From... Fire. <laughs> yes, this might be. <laughs> Where the reviewers, it was, uh, the, it was the touch. Their AW front page reviewers got a. Uh, <laughs> were convinced absolutely convinced that Jamie Hayter was Jake Hager's wife and I don't know how and I don't know why but 15 minutes of audio follow where they discuss why Jake Hager's wife did the run in on the first rampage fantastic she was good in that angle they did early <laughs> doors wasn't it I will say that about Jake Hager's wife makes sense. <laughs> bring her back right. to defend Britt Baker that's completely makes sense like, no stage when you're breaking and going Am I wrong here? Did I see something entirely different to everybody else? But um, <laughs> but yeah, d- d- just to say, like with that, this is what you the NWA is perfect for that, and I think the NWA realise that and appreciate it. And say with this show overall, it was successful. Mm. It sold out. I don't know what it did on pay per views, but I don't imagine it's not like they had major kind of fly ins for this Empower show. They sold the same venue out for the couple of days. They would have got a cheaper rental rate having it for that. So mm. I think what these sh- these shows did and the Empower show in particular is exactly what it wanted to achieve. Mm. And I think there, there, there is a gap in the market for a pay-per-view that's all women. Like there isn't, WWE decided to give up on it after the great it evolution. No show. It was so good, nah. that show. <laughs> it was such a brush. Unless it just went, we're sexist, sorry. We're yeah. just not interested. Yeah. doesn't matter how good it is. I don't want to know. Like yeah. if that, like that's the only possible reason. I'm not saying that's a good reason. But like that's the only possible reason. So there's a gap in the market for this stuff. Did you raise anything else on the show, JP? 
from the Impala show. Yeah, um, Diona Perazzo Molina. I think I was three point two five on. That was okay. Like I saw people rating it, that the it was same okay. as uh, the Layla match, but it wasn't anywhere near for me. No, I think that's too no. out on the app a little bit as well, and the uh, the average has dropped down now. Um, Diona's great. <laughs> Molina Perazzo. Yeah, all right. She just needs better opponents, Diona Perazzo. Mm. I mean, again, if you have her, and if you send Layla Hirsch to Impact mm. and and have her on there, like again, I think that's the best kind of use of the relationship. But I think someone like Red Velvet would probably do well on Impact, frankly, mm. like with that kind of TV time and being able to do a promo and the rest of it. I think that you know, uh, but yeah, that match was and, and Melina, fair play to her. I was fearing the worst, mm. and it was she was she was okay. Mm. I'm not going to go like shouting from the rooftops. She was okay. I think other than that, the other matches I saw was a couple of the tag team matches, like kind of very early on, which were the, um, oh, what was it? There was one involving um, the Hex, who ended up winning it, which is Alison Kay. Oh, against her, uh, Hell on Heels, wasn't it? Hell on Heels, that was it. Mm. And then they had the Free Babes, which was this whole second generation wrestler team. I mean, these matches themselves are like bang average, yeah, really. It, but you've got what you've got though throughout this is these bang average matches but you've got like the very, very much the goodwill of the crowd yeah like and they're kind of willing a lot of this stuff through mm. and that makes it watchable mm. it doesn't mean that it's like bad like yeah i wasn't going in expecting to see like oh four stars four stars four stars however you've got a crowd that are enjoying the show mm. you've got wrestling that is fine mm. and so it makes for a kind of relatively easy watch and i think an easier watch than that 73rd anniversary show that's for sure mm. like so like good luck to them i hope it did well on pay-per-view and there's a market and that the nwa are able to do it and it becomes a destination point for people to send young women's wrestlers to go to to have to be on these kind of like slightly bigger stages in longer matches that are a bit more meaningful of like if it serves that purpose Mm. then great and I, you know and I haven't mentioned anything about the awesome Kong kind of oh, angle stuff with Ga- the retirement stuff with Gail mm. Kim mm. which was lovely mm. actually mm. and you could tell they were both like kind of in like tears yeah. Vel- Velvet Sky who isn't a great commentator oh, that was man. the only oh, thing we'll get into God, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> if you want oh we didn't talk about Jericho and Rampage how did we not bring that up she, she's the female oh. equivalent you, if you've got nothing to say say nothing and she just talks anyway <laughs> He's bad. Oh. I know what that's like. Um, <laughs> just, just, just with the on, just on the women's wrestlers front there. I would have Kylie Ray look across the two shows. I just noticed she was on both of these, and she's the one that I'd, um, you know, I've liked her in the past. And obviously, she's blown two kind of opportunities. Did you, did you watch matches she that kinda, she was in? Yeah, she was kind of hidden in the, mm. the three away, wasn't she? On the uh, yeah. first night JP, so you didn't really see much of her. Uh, it was it was like five mm. minutes that match as well, so couldn't really give a give an opinion. Uh, the match with Diamante, James, wasn't it? The B James match didn't go long either. Did it? Like that felt like it was about yeah. like five minutes or so as well. And that was more of like I don't know a showcase for like Mickey to take a you know. Take her roses, really, as being the person who put together the Empower yeah. Show the night before. So yeah, it's kind of, it felt like a quiet weekend, even though she was on both shows. Yeah, yeah, I'd go go completely along with that. Um, she's a funny one because I think there's just a point where I think actually the thing she needs to do is is go out and actually like kind of 
rebuild her name a bit and mm. kind of and do, shows do like that. that. And That's kind yeah, of what they, I was hoping when I saw this. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, when I saw her name on these, I thought, oh, this could be a good little showcase for her to start building back kind of thing. Yeah, but you kind of want to see it do well, though, yeah. Can... You know, with the real life story yeah. and stuff, you kind of want someone like that to, to pull through, you know, and yeah. do well. Plus, I think she's a really fucking good wrestler. Like when she was getting that showcase in AW initially, I was delighted because, uh, yeah, mm. I think she's, re- think she's, think she's really good. So, but hey, that's a sidebar. Go <laughs> JP. No, 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 you go. I was going to move us on. We'll carry on. Yeah, go for it. No, no, I've got nothing more to add. Well, like to, to move on to the wrestling at the chase show the next night. I did really enjoy this. Like, I enjoyed both, really. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say the matches were good, <laughs> like, for the most part. Really enjoyed the main event. Laughed out loud at the opener. Um, everything in between was kind of guff. But there was something, like... They, they, they did. They did. <laughs> Mate, fucking... I know it's Bram, but Bram, Bram doing a senton off a fucking ladder, almost murdering Tim Stone in the opener, <laughs> only for Crimson to come out for the save was, like, the most yeah. fucking Billy Corgan booking event <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And then uh, Tim Storm to get himself into a suit and go and commentate, go commentate later. Like, it was well. fine. Oh, amazing. But, like, that, honestly... I love that bloke. I'll <laughs> he's throw that out there. I love him. Tim Storm is fucking awesome. He need never... Like, as a commentator, I think he's good. I do so. He wasn't. He didn't I have the best night here, but I don't think the booth in general no. was good because Conrad was fucking terrible. Uh, Velvet Sky, how we've talked about, oh, yeah. was terrible. Joe Galley's good. I like Joe Galley, but he, he it yes. felt a little bit like he needed to take charge more, maybe. He'd be a great fit for WWE. Mm. It's very weird that they wouldn't make a play for him because he mm. feels like he would be able to do all of their stuff that they want him to do. He feels like Josh very... 2.0. Yeah. But there is something about him that he's he always seems like he's on top of things, mm. regardless of how nonsensical it is. Mm. He doesn't kind of do the thing of he does get excited, but he doesn't get too excitable, which mm. is which is good. Mm. Um and I think he's like he the way very early on in the the NWA run when he was talking about like him was it him winning an Emmy or something like that or some sort of award for journalism and he'd always bring that up every time he was like interviewing Nick this wanting to know what what why wouldn't he let Camille talk if we can go back to that storyline he's always been good fun and I think for these shows what he does and and they kind of fits in with the retro aesthetic I like the fact they were wearing these jackets this is why Velvet Sky kind of stood out like a sore thumb really like mm. uh, um in in that sense but the old school kind of apron the entrance way with just nwa yeah, the fact on that it was just the chase like that was yeah like, the big sell for me like that was cool the fact that they did that like and yeah. they got the legitimate you know the legitimate hotel and like you say dressed it up with the skirt and the you know the very basic 80s nwa lettering like it felt like Shit a screen yeah, shit carpet. All of that. Oh, when I when I saw it at the mate, like no, well, what did I watch first? I watched the flare interview first. But when I just saw the when I just saw the ring apron, and I just you know the big NWA, and mm. like just saw the top of the stage, just the again that basic look with the NWA. I was I was like, it's literally the first note I've got here is like, what great presentation this is. It's just like it just fits the tone of what they're trying to achieve mm. perfectly, and it doesn't look it doesn't look incorrect. It looks kind of it looks proper you know sometimes yeah. people can try and do this kind of thing but they just get it slightly wrong or something this just looked perfect they understand the aesthetic that old school this old school aesthetic is the one thing they kind of get it's like the studio setup is kind of perfect it's, i love that little kind of studio setup that they use um it, it, yeah it, it it's so 
it's so weird with the the kind of retrofitting side of it that they that they manage to kind of succeed on that front with it. But um, yeah, sorry, I forgot. The problem is, it's a shame. You know, that presentation goes a long way, but then they book a load of crap wrestlers. You know what I mean? Like, what's Tyrus doing on these shows? He's fucking. Yeah. You know, not only is he is a garbage human being with garbage political views and garbage things that he's done in real life, he's also a garbage wrestler and he's forty. Why is he on these shows? Like, uh, uh, I assume he's Billy Corgan's weird right wing mate. Maybe that's what it is. In fact, I, I know that's what it is. Um, and they make weird choices, don't they? Like, there are some poor wrestlers on this show these shows it i mean the shows were never i didn't know the, the people wrestlers. in that in that battle royal well mm. i don't know there were oh i didn't even watch it i couldn't um it was rough um i, I recognized their uh, alter boy luke other than that um yeah there was a lot of uh a lot of randos in there and when nwa was good you know i mean this modern nwa um when it was on youtube it was always about the promos it was about eddie kingston and it was about you know uh, nick aldis and it was about tim storm and it wasn't so much the the in-ring matches so it's never been a matches promotion but I still think they could try harder with some of these undercard people. I just don't understand why, you know, the Pope is still getting a, a booking when he was crap in 2005. You know, never mind. Never mind now. There's a lot of that um, dross on the undercard that doesn't help. But, I mean, I want to get to the main mm. stuff. I mean, one of the main things I was hoping you'd watch, Gareth, and I'm glad you did, was the uh, was the Flair promo. Um, music was fucking terrible, as we've talked. I don't know what the fuck oh. that was that they had him. Enter to, but like you know, Billy Corgan was just like, Whatever you fucking Mate. want, Rick, we're paying you because we're at the fucking chase. You've just been released by WWE and we're getting you on this show. I thought, like, aesthetically, um, that was absolutely perfect. And you know, some WWE bootlicking aside, I I enjoyed that segment a lot until I watched it properly today. Like, mm-hmm. I'd only seen like the clips on YouTube and like, sorry, on Twitter. And literally, the only things I'd seen was the WWE bootlick and stuff. So I was like, really, I was really down on the idea of this promo because literally all I'd seen was the Vince McMahon, I love you, and all that kind of thing. And well, in, I you sent know, you a message today yeah. saying, Gareth, you need to watch this. And you were like, what? Yes. Bootlick and promo. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, genuinely, you still need to watch it. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you nudged me because I wouldn't have watched it on the basis of what I saw on Twitter. I was just thinking, like, oh, this isn't what I want from Rick. Flair, kind yeah. you know, especially in like post WWE release 2021, standing there in an NWA show at the Chase, talking about how great WWE and Vince McMahon is. I was thinking that's that's you know that's not right for he this. Literally this, said, set, this Vince McMahon this won't watch this. Watch this. But he'll <laughs> yeah. hear about it. Yeah, it'll, <laughs> but but once once we got that, once we got past that stuff, and we got into the you know the him just telling his little stories, telling talking about him picking up his whatever his six thousand dollars off you know Sam Mushnick, and him having one one and a half left by the time he gets to the you know you know whatever they by the time he gets to the plane or whatever because he's tipped the shoe shine guy two hundred dollars and he's tipped the barman a hundred dollars and stuff because that's what I do because I'm the, the NWA World's Champion. I was yes. just like oh. Oh, that's Ric Flair. That is like Ric Flair, you know. Yeah. And it's so like the thing that I just loved to, is just how when even then now, so like he can still just get that so right. And like we were talking when he was released the other week about like what mileage you could even get out of Flair in this day and age, and what trust you can get out of him. But you know, we're putting the 
putting the right set in with the right focus there that was just that was perfect for what it needed to be when he sort of flipped onto the nwa stuff and he's talking about like st louis and he's talking about like the the role of the nwa champion and you know coming back for the the shows at the chase and everything like that it was just absolute gold to to listen Mm -hmm. to and like one of the things that i just find mental is like the physical transformation because can you remember him like for the love of wrestling like when he was walking past us he he looked like I know he's old, but he looked like he was 120. He could barely yeah. walk and things like that. He's like he's literally was struggling to move. But then, like here, you put him in front of a crowd, and he just mm. comes alive, kind of thing, isn't it? You know, and he was there where he was talking about Terry Wogan. You know, he was like get the call off Billy Corgan, and he was thinking, no, oh, am I in the main event against Nick? <laughs> kind of thing, and you know, just that. And then you know, he was off the ropes again and things like that. And I was thinking, like fucking hell, this is ridiculous considering the fact that like he he literally needed guided around the Echo Arena by his hand you know that show and that was years ago kind of thing but like Mm. oh this was the this was this was you know the gold for for Ric Flair there and I I think just seeing him stood there in that NWA ring with that NWA walkway in the background Mm. talking about you know NWA stories and legacy and you know legend of the world title and things like that it really did just felt like it just for, for obviously, I didn't watch the full the full show, but it just felt like this event just felt grander. And then when I watched the main event later, it, it almost felt like title win just feel that little bit more grand and important than than than, mm-hmm. than it probably was just by having that that influence. And and again, it just just shows embracing your legends in a certain way can add to your product as opposed to you know detracting from your modern day um, wrestlers in, as we've seen time after time after time with WWE. Oh, definitely. And it, oh. You went 15 minutes and it was, it wasn't too long for that. Like, you know, that was, he could have gone another 15. Like this was, Oh yeah. Until the main event, by far the best thing on the show, do you think? Oh yeah. And his riffing on Harley race and, Bruiser Brody oh, having a conversation in the rest. <laughs> and you're just thinking this is pretty wild this what's going on he's just having a, like a one man stand up show in, in, in the centre of the and ring like, talking about like hanging around with like you know NBA players and stuff like that you know because I'm yeah. Ric Flair you know and they grew up watching me so you know and he's going to drink with Mongo yeah. Mongo then... as well yeah Drew and Tony Khan too said he's going to go and watch yeah. uh, watch him AW as well so you know that could uh, could well be I assume that means the pay-per-view um yeah, yeah, exactly. And I also think as well, this is the kind of show that is like, basically, it's um, so much um, like you can have him riffing on this. I think it's completely set up for him to do this, as opposed to if he did this on AEW, you'd be like, look, cut to the chase. Whereas, pardon the pun, whereas here, like it felt like he's like, what else are you missing? really in the background what are we losing time from and you want him doing it he's kind of it's very much it's much more like the centerpiece of the show he's the ultimate kind of figure for the nwa ever to use is that i just fear is he thinking to himself oh hello another ring of honor here like let's give this six weeks i'll give a half-hearted shoot interview to high spots and then off i fucking go again like you know that that, that that would be my that's why I own that. Uh, that sign, Jerry Lynn Austin Aries poster with a uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair yeah. on it. It's got a Ric Flair signature on it. And Ashton Smith sold me it for a quid at a one PW show because um, apparently Ring of Honor just got rid of them all. Um, that's how. That's how. It just got rid of them all. Ric Flair, yeah. That's <laughs> a quid. Ashton could Ashton could have used that to get a trolley from the supermarket as long as he keeps that <laughs> in his wallet on there. But I also wanted to mention that opening seg John Goodman narrated 
like piece about history of wrestling at the chase. Did you see this? No, I don't think I did. So John Goodman, as in John Goodman from Roseanne, no does way. a narration of like history. It's on it's on YouTube as oh. well. Sorry, beforehand. It's all about the history of wrestling at the chase. And it's it's fucking brilliant. Mm. And it it's like three minutes and like obviously there's sort of lower production values necessarily, but it's John Goodman mm. who you know carries a lot of credibility. I think the last thing I saw him in was was it Kong Skull Island? Mm. Was he in something else a bit more recently? Mm. But it's absolutely brilliant. If you get a chance to watch it, it, it it's great. Yeah. And at least and it's and it, and the thing that NWA have above all else is history. Mm. So it's the one thing they've always got to go back to as much as anything else. And they use it as as good as they re, as they you could reasonably expect them to do. I know it means they end up with people like Austin Idol turning up on their TV and hanging around and and all the rest of it and give a shit about him, mm. but. Ultimately, like the flair stuff, I think is like the kind of selling point. And even they'd announced it in the run up to the show, this was going to happen. So it wasn't there as some like kind of big shock. And, you know, that's what you do. You're using Ric Flair going, returning to the NWA at the chase. It's, it's going to be those 50 plus fans who are going to love that. Well, I mean, on that note, that was the other thing that was great about that main event. Like Nick Aldis and Trevor Murdoch was the build they did with it, you know, building up. You know, basically, like it was built around the memory of Harley Race, wasn't it? Like another, you know, uh, NWA legend that also, you know, Flair put over in his promo, and I love that. You know, bringing up the fact that you know Trevor May that was done done with wrestling, and then you know, at, at, literally at Harley Race's funeral, <laughs> Nick Aldis came up to him and asked him about coming into the NWA, and like. I don't want to be morbid, but when the NWA starts, I think that was a comment I made. Like, oh, fuck, I thought Trevor Murdoch was dead. I didn't realize he was still a wrestler, you know? Didn't get mixed up with Dick Murdoch like UJP, but I did uh, <laughs> I did think that <laughs> on the uh, the Daily Update. But yeah, he, um, like, I love that. I thought that build was great. It's very different. There's no evidence he's a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Certainly, that's not the case. <laughs> he's a much nicer man, isn't he? But I love this main yeah. event. I thought he was great as the hometown babyface, you know, going around the ring, slapping hands, even slapping hands with the commentators, you know. Yeah. I'll, but Nick Aldis again, like, it's a work that he's this great world champion, but he makes you believe it in moments. And, like, you know, them, even just them kicking this match off with Trevor May that wanting to uh, to go to the outside and kiss his wife before the match, and Nick Aldis jumps in then, the nasty fucker. <laughs> and, you know, even you know, down to, like, you know, in that, taking up to the uh, the entranceway and Billy Corgan's getting involved and, you know, they're, they're putting over how disgusting it is that Nick Aldis has jumped in before the bell. And he's not even really doing anything particularly violent to him, but they're selling it like it's, like, this whole travesty and you know billy corgan's the owner but like i mean you know come on lads it's not vince russo putting himself on telly billy corgan's a name you know and they haven't got many names like i would absolutely lean into that i've got no problem with that thought that was great and it was such a great start for the match you know to get into and you know there was lots of nick aldis you know cheating and you know putting trevor Murdoch through that through the table at one point as well and like you know it was just perfectly well-told story um of like nick aldis leaning into the more bastard side of his character and trevor Murdoch for this one night in his career being this this great baby face and i absolutely love this match don't know about you guys yeah i mean i gave this 3.75 um mm. on, on the app watching Same this. Have gone for. yeah i was teetering i was teetering between the two and uh, um again i think Think like you say. I think I think the role that Trevor Murdoch played in this was just absolute like perfection. And, and if you think about the match itself, 
the amount of offense that Trevor Murdoch got in this match was it was basically I, I bet he did less than ten things to Nicole just in mm. the entire match. You know, it, it literally they, they just got so much sympathy on him throughout the you know throughout the match. The, the, the you know you you want you wanted him to win and all this was pulling out the old tricks. I thought there was one there uh, JP would have appreciated after uh, our conversation the other day on the, the Punk show was uh, doing the old abdominal stretch and then pulling the rope oh, behind yeah. the ref's back. I was thinking, oh, I bet JP's getting a kick out of that one. Uh, that was uh, just some good classic heel heel cheating there. And oh, he obviously, did. you know, Aldis when he was, you know, twatting the timekeeper and twatting the ring announcer and, you know, what a bastard, you know, having already like attacked him when he was just going to kiss his wife and thing, things like that as well. It just, I, I just thought it was just set perfectly as as oldest just that heel champion and it was just it was just that it was I mean, it was just your classic rocky story wasn't it basically kind of thing and then just to, to see you know of Murdoch get the win there at the end you know even though I knew the result going in I was still like punching the air for him kind of thing there and then mm-hmm. even again this not been you know I haven't been following NWA weekly TV mm-hmm. or anything like that but you know he, you know, even you know, seeing him in celebrating with his family, seeing him in the ring with his son, and things yeah. like that, having like previously where all this was like attacking him, um, you know, outside the ring in front of his son, and that you know, it was genuine, you know, good emotional wrestling moment kind of thing. I'm always a, I'm always a, um, a mark for person wins title and family celebrate with him in the ring kind of thing. It's a, it's one of those, sim- yeah, it's, it's you know, it's one yeah. of those simple wrestling tropes. But but even this, when I saw Flair coming out, I thought, oh. Is Flair going to steal his thunder here in, in in some way by by being in the ring? But he didn't. He added it to it, and that he he endorsed his win. I thought for me, and it, it, it actually it was it, it was something where you know I said previously if the the Flair side of things adding credence and credibility to the NWA title, I think he added it to the title win and the way that he you know endorsed Murdoch and put him over and things like that at the at, at the end. I thought it was a it was just superbly done. If only, um, if only Velvet Sky had uh, missed a plane that day or something like that. She was, uh, you know, she, she, I think she dragged this, she dragged it down for me. It was like nails down a chalkboard. It was, it was, it was almost impossible to listen to it. My God. Mm. Oh, at the end, off. like all yeah. it needed was Joe Galley to put over the significance of the win, and she just kept rabbiting on about, oh, I'm crying here. Oh, I'm so emotional. Oh, Velvel's in tears. It was just like, shut the fuck up. Like, stop. Like, you're not <laughs> saying anything. You're just saying words, and you're getting in the way of the actual professional commentator from putting over this important moment. It was so, so bad. Yeah, it was. Hmm. Uh, um, she's fucking terrible and sorry she's been awful in the ring and everything else and she's mm. one, definitely one of the kind of low lights in the show but I agree with you guys 3.75 I, again sorry it's, it's weird isn't it because it's like we're all saying we yeah. love it but it's like these matches are never we're not watching be like, it afterwards are we no they're not technically brilliant are they they're like great story like, no. it's a great story bell to bell and it's basic yes. and it's old school and it's it's probably never going to hit that past that four star barrier is it I don't know if that's you know fair or not but i think that's kind of where we're all coming from isn't it i don't think they hire the kind of wrestlers who are going to give you those kind of matches yeah. and i think for the most part like something like a dick like that's why he needed a lot of that work on the outside in the beginning in order to get you engaged you're gonna say dick murdoch again then <laughs> i nearly did <laughs> nearly did i'm just gonna have to say murdoch from now on and i'll probably get him confused with bloody hannibal murdoch from the 18 <laughs> or something <laughs> That crazy bastard. Um, oh, but, yeah, there he is. Um, but 
I, I, I enjoy this. I mean, I suppose there's that thought of me, like you watch this, you, you look at the, the promo package and the way they built it up. It was like the obvious result. It was the crowd pleasing result. They did all of that stuff kind of right. It's just, where do they go from here? It's like, that's Aldous's, was it thousand day reign? Mm. Like the guts of three years, this mm. champion over. No one would have really guessed it'd be like Trevor Murdoch who did it. Mm. And is there traction in him as champion? Or is it the case where you can tell that story once of the sympathetic underdog baby face who doesn't have that stereotypical body and the rest of it, but is just like a good family man? You can tell that story. Mm. The problem is it's not compelling when they're champion. That's And so that's where you change the whole dynamics of this. Well, by the time so, we next talk about it, JP Aldous will be champion again. Like, no, you know, we well, won't pay attention for three months and he'll be champion again. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking through some of the spoilers, which mm. I don't know what, uh, you know, no, not yeah. we're going to be watching it on here, but, you know, Tyrus is still bloody TV champion as well. I mean, you're looking at it, it's just like a series, like very weird, like Kira Hogan's on there, Luke Hawks and PJ Hawks, you know, defeated JTG and Colby Carino. That's it's all a bit mental, isn't it? I mean, Camille defeated Tutti Lin in a non-title match. I don't even know if that's made up, whether that's just like Dave Meltzer taking the piss. On the, observer, on the Observer for that kind of a story. but So it's like, where does it go afterwards? Because it looks like they're going back to the oldest match, judging yeah. by some of these spoilers. I think that that's... It's, 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 it's very classic NWA Dusty Rhodes, isn't it? It's like when they used to put the belt on, on Dusty and Dusty would have it for maybe like, he might have it for a month or something like that. And then it would go back to Flair or it'd go back to yeah. Harley Race. And it had that very much that feel to it to me that it was like, this yeah. was like Dusty winning it in the eighties. And then it's like, and then it's back on the real champ, you know, kind of, um, you know, a, a month or so later. And, 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 and even still to do that, it still remains very in, in fitting with the NWA heritage of putting it on the, putting it on the, the heel and then having the, having the baby face do that, you know, do the chase, get the big pop moment kind of thing. And then you just flip it, you know, flip it back to the, to the heel champion. That it, it, it's, it's like that old formula for, for me. Mm. However, like I would say overall with this problem, like there's a lot of the stuff like in terms of it, they're not great matches. They do stuff right when it comes to these shows, like mm. these kind of big shows. And I'm glad that they're around to be able to offer it. And there's a place in the market for this kind of old school, what feels like very retrofitted content. You mentioned about the kind of storyline matches. And I think that's why I enjoyed it because it just, you know, no one's doing anything spectacular in these matches, but I'm buying it. Mm. It feels very old school professional wrestling. And like you say, if it's making me think about like a kind of, Oh yeah, this is like dusty as champ and the rest of it. And that, that's all a good thing. Mm. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, there, there are, we don't often dip into them other than these pay-per-views. I mean, they've got another one coming up in December. Well, they're all so pay-per-views like- now, aren't they? That's part of the problem. When it was free on YouTube, yeah. I'd throw it on on a Friday, but like they do weekly pay-per-views now, like, and they've mm. lost a lot of their great talent. You know, like I said, a lot of that great speaking talent they built the shows on are gone. You know, Ricky Starks, you mm. know, was, was a big star in the uh, the first season. Um, you know, Eddie Kingston's yeah. the other one. They've got Conan in, I suppose, so there are still good talkers there, but... Um, where has he been yeah yeah well but from reviews it just felt like it's not been a particularly compelling product and the bits I've jumped in and out of it's not been great either so maybe this could be the start of something it, it's just whether or not like WWE do they have their particular fan base very happy with a lot of this stuff because they mm. want to see kind of studio wrestling because it should be noted I mean they're 
I mean, I'd, I'd argue they draw in more than the Ring of Honor. And they're probably spending a lot less on their talent. And they managed to to kind of, for these shows, for these two pay-per-views, do back-to-back sellouts, mm. which I know is like it, the capacity was only like 870 or so. It's better than nothing. Probably it was high ticket prices for it. They would have that was offered flair. a load. They're going to have flair every show. Yeah. And it would have done meet and greet and the rest of it mm-hmm. as well. But like even for, like even for the Empower show, if they do these kind of little double headers, True. they should be maybe thinking of this every like and make it just a weekend event. Mm-hmm. And you go to a hotel venue, we go right. We got a chance of selling this out two nights in a row. We get a cheaper rent on it. We'll bring in a a star to kind of give it that little bit of credibility, and it keeps that fan base happy. But whether or not they're truly profitable or to a level where it kind of matters, I, I I don't know. But this is when they need to accept their place in wrestling's ecosystem. So, like, if you if they find a Ricky Starks, they accept that they're not going to be around for a long time. So you get as much juice as you can before they leave with a goodwill to go to another company who may have them then come back. If Ricky Starks turned up on the, the next NWA pay-per-view and just some sort of, like, doing an appearance for the crowd stuff, I wouldn't be that surprised. Mm. But the fact that they'd be able to have that kind of relationship where they can borrow lots of people that make these these cars a little bit more mem- memorable as well, I think that's, you know, that's the way that's the way they got to be. Definitely, definitely. But, no, I enjoyed this, these uh, couple of shows, and I think, you know, the reviews have been overall positive, and, yeah, it seems like there's been relatively uh, decent ratings on the uh, on the Grapple app there as well. But that, uh, that pretty much brings us uh, to the end there with NWA and uh, for the show in general. JP, you're, uh, you're, you're foretold that we do two hours, mate. It's almost two and a half, but we're close. We split the difference. We didn't do three. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> it was a slow we news compromised. week. Compromised. <laughs> yeah. Slow news week. It's a big week of all out. Mm. Like we'll be doing, I think we're doing the weekend preview. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well? Eight o'clock Friday. Yep. Did you have an announcement as well, Benno? Did you? Was there something that you wanted? Yeah, I'll mention, you know, but obviously, I mean, we'll give the big Patreon push um, next week, I think, but it, it is going to be the yes. first of the month. So any audio listeners, now is the uh, the time to jump on. Um, obviously, we've got uh, mm-hmm. the Punk episode that was out. Um, we got, uh, we're going to get uh, the next, uh, I think, Patreon show we're going to do is going to be uh, Connor, one of our King of the Mountains picks. So we're going to get that that pick from him and, uh, and get moving. No pressure, Connor. Video coming your way. Um, but yeah, you know, there's going to be lots going on this month. I am going to be debuting a, a new show on the uh, the Patreon feed. I won't tell you who my my first guest is, but uh, we will be doing a. Uh, I'm going to be doing a, a series where Me I'm going to be <laughs> You know, I don't talk season up. Um, <laughs> but the idea is to uh, to talk to uh, to different podcasters uh, in the world of wrestling podcasting. And boy, have I got a a great first guest for the uh, for the concept coming up. Uh, Benno versus is the uh, the working title, so it's going to be Benno versus, and you can. Uh, fill in the blank there and who the uh, the first episode is going to be but yeah I'll uh, I'll let everyone know next week that should be uh, when that's dropping but yeah we're, we're obviously film clubs deep cuts all the other stuff uh, JP's daily mixed updates mixtapes uh, be getting uh, back into the uh, the swinger doing those uh, this month as well so yeah all the good plugs and on the grapple side Gareth yeah, I mean, I think the main one is obviously it's uh, all out obviously is coming up um, we'll be having a um, a affiliate link through fight again to um 
so if you're ordering that, if you order it through Grapple, um, it doesn't cost you any more. Um, it's been shown on Fight internationally, so outside the US, you can you can order it and watch it on Fight. So if you just visit grappleapp.com forward slash support, you can just click the link there and you live listeners, it won't be there yet, but those people listening by the time this probably drops tomorrow probably will be up there. But yeah, if, you, if you're ordering it, just uh, visit grappleapp.com forward slash support and just click that link. It won't cost you a penny more, but we just get a nice little kickback off a fight for that so um anything that helps keep the lights on at the grapple app um it's got to be a good thing hasn't it so um yeah make sure you order it in that way and um download the app as well if you've not done so get your ratings in if you have got the app and you're uh, not been using it so much lately what better show than all out to get back in there get those five star ratings in for cm punk Defo. And I'll throw I'll throw that uh, the grapplelap.com slash support link in the uh, the show notes for this very episode as well. So only click away, everyone, and get in there. But yeah, before we go, JP, got a plug for you as well. I know you were busy this uh, this last weekend. Yes, I was on MCU later, mm-hmm. uh, teaming up with 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 Way and uh, and WH Park, waiting uh, post wrestling. So I was on their post Patreon show. Great fun. Different to talk kind of Marvel stuff. I don't know what you what you made of it as well. I mean, it was it, like WH is an encyclopedia when it comes to like kind of Marvel and comics. It's not surprising he works in a comic book shop, but it was it was really good fun. I don't I know Benno, you watched Loki recently. I don't know I if you've watched any of the Disney Plus series, Gareth, or anything I've not like watched that. Loki, no, no. I think does your lad like Marvel? I find it hard to believe that he wouldn't. No, he's not a big fan. Although I did twist okay. his arm to watch Spider-Man: Homecoming at the weekend, so I'm, uh, I'm I'm inching him in there. He'd had the Spider-Man game for the PS5, so I thought, oh, he's a, he's a chance, he's a window of opportunity to try and get him interested. Ah, well, we we reviewed an episode, episode three of What If, which is this animated show they do, where it basically takes on the theme of it. Spoiler alert for this: it's a murder mystery. So it starts off with someone killing Iron Man at the point where Nick Fury meets him. So it does like a kind of big what if, if it takes a complete different direction. So the first one is, what if Peggy Carter was actually Captain America and that she'd been injected with the serum and other stuff like that. So it just takes the, the idea of the multiverse and the rest of it. Yeah, so we talk all things Marvel as well. That was really great fun. So uh, have a listen to that. That's on the, the post-Patreon, post-wrestling Patreon. Awesome, yeah. So yeah, check that out. Uh, as JP said earlier, weekend show coming Friday. With uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, the all out card and uh, everything else going on this weekend. Like I say, New Japan apparently you've got two big shows this weekend. As uh, GCW are also In running. Domes, I know, I know, I know. Uh, it's crazy. The, the G one lineups going to be announced this weekend. <sighs> That'll be depressing. That's happening this month because we're now technically into the first of September terrifying terrifying um, but yeah there's a lot going on this weekend uh, shows uh, built around uh, the AW weekend so we'll be previewing that and then yeah reviewing um, all out next week so yeah guys we'll see you all next week bye he used to give me roses <laughs> see ya <laughs> see ya <laughs> I, I was going to see if we could go three hours there <laughs> get it get it Silent. get it ticked up on the outside the things were different then we build our world together with a love so clear and strong but that was on the outside